0: And now, introducing a man with all the eggs on his face. I told him, but he didn't want to listen. Houston Gamblers 38, Birmingham Stallions 33. Not only did Houston win outright and hit the over on 41 and a half, but they almost hit the over by themselves. I'm rich, snitch. Suck it, Glenn. I'm the gambling king of press box sports. He's just
1: Glenn Clark. Jesus. Jesus. Well, you did hit that. You did hit that. How much you play on it? Nothing. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that was the case. Bet you feel stupid now. Bet you feel stupid now. Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn Clark. He is Paul Valley. Happy Monday. I hope you all had a great weekend. Uh, obviously, we got a lot to do on the program today. Coming up a little bit later on this hour, it is NFL Draft Week. Another uh, area prospect who's hoping to hear his name called is Sam Okawanu. Sam Okawanu, defensive end at the University of Maryland, had a breakout season in that extra year he got because of COVID and uh, has potentially put himself in place to turn that into getting drafted this week. In fact, I think there's a really good chance he's going to get drafted this week. By the way, I think I need to come down. I think we all, in listening to the show last week, I think we, everything needs to come down just a bit. Just a bit. Maybe the, the master could come down instead. Just everything seems to need to come down. No, on, on the board. The master on the board could probably come down. Um, Forgive just me. That is the, the one thing I'm not the, familiar the two, with. The two red ones could come down. Just slightly. Just slightly. That's all. Um, it just seems like everything was a bit Just, just like I think we're good um, It just seemed to be a bit uh, Heavy A bit hot last week Anyway, Sam Okawanu Is going to join us this morning We will talk to him About his journey From Liberia To junior college To Maryland To now again Being on the cusp Of hearing his name called In the NFL draft Also this morning We are going to chat With Delaney Williams Delaney Williams You perhaps Remember from The Wire You don't likely remember the name Delaney Williams. He's a character actor for most of his career, but he was one of the more iconic images in The Wire, like seeing him, as soon as you see his picture, say, oh, right, yeah, I remember Sergeant Jay Lansman. I remember him well. He was a vital part of the show. Well, he's back, and an even more important role, frankly, in We Own the City, which debuts tonight as he's playing former police commissioner Kevin Davis, uh, in We Own This City, which again debuts tonight on HBO. So we will talk to Delaney Williams about being back in Baltimore and being involved with this project and all of those things. We will do that later on this morning. Jeremy Kahn joins us as he does every Monday. And we're going to be celebrating uh, Project Runway throughout the course of the week. Uh, the folks that are going to be part of the event are going to be checking in with us. And uh, William Van Zella, goalie for the Baltimore Blast, will be first up on that list as he will join us later on in the program as well. So all of that coming up on the show today. Today's program brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel, Maryland. That's where we will be on Thursday night. Myself and the NFL chicks, Sarita Hubbard, will be hanging out with you for the first round of the NFL draft. Come join us. We will have great giveaways, our friends at Great Eights, Memorabilia. They're going to be hanging out. They have provided some tremendous giveaways, autographed memorabilia for us to give away, and that's free. You just got to show up and sign up, and you can win just by hanging out with us in the FanDuel Sportsbook for the first round of the NFL draft. But as if that weren't good enough, you can also register to win your tab covered for the first round of the NFL draft. Go right now to pressboxonline.com slash contests. You have until tomorrow at noon. Sign up and someone will win a reserve table of four, for four for Thursday night and a $300 tab for the evening courtesy of your friends here at Pressbox and the folks in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. So that's pretty friggin' great. Now, Speaking of the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, thanks to those of you who tuned in yesterday for our debut, Rita and Glenn on 1057 The Fan. It was great to be over there and to you know, do something more with Rita. And of course, Rita is a big part of what we do over here. And so that's awesome. Uh, I hear people are talking about one particular thing that occurred during yesterday's show. I'm writing about it today at PressBoxOnline.com. Obviously, there was an uproar yesterday when Adam Jones joined the program. So, I'll tell you everything I can tell you. Last week, um, I just happened to see Adam tweeting, and I thought to myself, you know, we're launching this new radio show, it's a different platform, want to have a big debut. We already had a couple other guests lined up, like Nick Boyle from the Ravens who joined us, and of course, Justin Fenton, the author of We Own This City, and ironically, the mayor was supposed to join us yesterday. We actually had to push him back to next week as he, running the city, got in the way of coming on with us, which is ridiculous. So that's all it was, was just, we don't even know what we're going to talk to him about. We'll just put him on because it's Adam Jones, and who doesn't want to hear from Adam Jones? So Adam uh, graciously said he would come on. And then Friday night, I got wind that he had done an interview in Las Vegas uh, at VEASAN, which, of course, is where our friend Aaron Oster, who joins us every Tuesday on Simply the Bets, he works out at VEASAN in Vegas with Tim Murray and Sean King on a show called The Nightcap. And Adam was hanging out in Vegas on Friday night and just ended up going over and sitting in with the guys on The Nightcap. And they asked him a question about the Orioles moving the fence is back at Camden Yards. And Adam casually mentioned, well, they didn't ask me anything about it. They haven't talked to me in four years. Very casual. Very, you know, it, it, didn't, it didn't shut down the interview. It wasn't the focus of the interview. It was just very casual how he mentioned that during the course of the conversation. I was alerted to that. I was asked by my buddy Aaron Oster, "Hey, did did you know that the Orioles haven't talked to Adam Jones in four years?" To which I, you know, I said to him, "No, I didn't know that." But the timeline, based on when he declined the trade and exercised ten and five rights, eh, I hate to say that's probably about right, but it's probably about right. So, you know, I said to Rita, "I'm like, hey, just so you know, this is out there." I got a funny feeling that Adam wants to talk about it. And Reed and Adam happened to be texting on Sunday morning, and sure enough, yeah, he wanted to talk about it. And if you followed him on Twitter yesterday before he came on, he was making it very clear that he intended to shake things up when he appeared with us. And obviously he did just that. Reiterating, he has had no contact with the Orioles in the four years since he departed. And and he alluded to the idea that it was in the four years since he declined the trade. I mean, they obviously had to have some contact in the couple of months that he was still playing in Baltimore at the end of the year. I mean he was still playing for the team. But since he left, he's had no contact with the Orioles. And the part that jumped out as being egregious to most people was the part where he said that he got a call from Robert Andino, and Robert Andino asked him if he had gotten he had heard about the 30th anniversary Camden Yard celebrations they were doing this year, and Adam said, no. And again, with no offense to Robert Andino, as Adam said, no, love out Robert Andino, he ain't me. And we all know that. Um, There's a couple things I can tell you in the aftermath of this. One, the first thing I can tell you is I'm mighty uncomfortable with the people that tried to make this a personal thing. I'm always I'm always taken aback by that. As if we know. There are people that try to respond to this like shame on Mike Elias. What uh, does Mike Elias have anything to do with the relationship between Adam Jones and the Orioles? Mike Elias arrived after Adam Jones was gone. What what would Mike Elias's role be? in the relationship between Adam Jones and the Orioles. Which isn't to say that Mike Elias can't have a relationship with Adam Jones. Perhaps at some point Mike Elias would say, hey, Adam Jones is a great player in Baltimore. I just like to bend his ear. I just like to chat with him at some point. That would probably be a good thing to do. But the idea that Mike Elias is responsible for the relationship between Adam Jones and the baseball team is is bonkers. Um, it was more personally directed towards John Angelos or the Angelos family. And... I understand that because somebody would say, well, hey, if there is anyone whose responsibility it is directly to maintain a relationship between former player and club, it would be the controlling partner of the baseball team. I, I, would, I would hear that. I understand it. But let's be clear about that, too. There, there should be other channels within the organization by which that is handled. So I say all of this to tell you what I now know. And this is all in the... As always, I give you away, give away my column for you. It wasn't lip service what the Orioles said to the Baltimore Sun in the aftermath of this interview. I, I in fact... Fe- I'm trying to say this without... I don't know what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not. It's always confusing when I'm in these situations. The Orioles have already at least attempted to make contact with Adam Jones in the aftermath of this. It was suggested to me by multiple people that this was more error or mistake than it was aggression. And I hope that's true. Certainly hope that's true. It's not okay either, and I'll get to that. But I certainly hope that's true. I really hope that this is in no ways... Anyone within the organization holding a grudge towards Adam Jones because he refused to be traded, because he exercised his right that he had as a veteran player who had given 10 years to an organization to not be traded. It would be infuriating if even a single person, and it would be confusing too because it is a different regime, right? Like It, it would be confusing as to why anyone within the organization would even still be bothered by that if they were bothered in 2018. But a step beyond that, it would be absolutely infuriating. The player had the right to not be traded. That's what a no trade clause is, that's what 10 and 5 rights are. You knew that. Why'd you work out a trade with a player that wasn't going to be traded? If you knew Adam Jones didn't want to be traded, why were you ever talking to the Phillies about Adam Jones? That's on you. That's not on him. You could have hoped he would change his mind, but I would have started there and not gone to the Phillies first and worked out a trade. I would have started with Adam and said, hey, can we talk to teams about you? Adam made it abundantly clear then he did not want to go to a place where he wouldn't play every day because he feared that it would deflate his value on the free agent market to not be an everyday player. He had that right. You don't have to like it. You can wish that he would have chosen to be traded because it might have helped get a piece or two, although you know, looking back on how those trades went, I don't know that that would have been the case. But he had every right to say, no, I'm not going to be traded. So I hope, I, I both hope, And tell you that I have reason to believe it's not that. It's not aggression still related to 2018. I don't know if Adam Jones believes that. And that's the bigger problem. The bigger problem is whatever happened, be it because Adam was on the other side of the planet for a couple of these years, be it because there was a regime change and the people that knew Adam the best from the previous regime are no longer here. And so, you know, it's it's just new people that are in place that don't know Adam Jones the same way and didn't have the opportunity to reach out to him. Whatever the reason is, when Adam Jones departed Baltimore, there should have been multiple conversations with people within the organization that sounded something like this. Hey man, wherever you are, At whatever point in your life, whatever's going on, you are always welcome here. You are always part of this thing. Plain and simple. We want to be in touch with you wherever, if you play another eight years in the majors in other places. You have meant so much to us that whatever happens, we want you to know you're a part of this. This family if you will this thing you're a significant part of it and you will always be welcome that should have been what you said the final day he was in baltimore to make it clear that he was always welcome here and the idea that adam jones for whatever reason again error mistake with what, aggression whatever it is has ever not felt welcome in baltimore is a problem Even if it's nothing more than a mistake, it's still a problem. You can't do that to iconic players. At the end of the day, this is very simple. It just needs to be fixed. That's it. This can be a weird 24-hour news cycle blip on the radar. As long as it gets fixed. One of the problems that we have in this country is we're not good at just apologizing and making things right. We get mad at the people that call us out for our mistakes. We get mad, we hold grudges towards other people because of what we did wrong. There's, there's nothing more, and look, it's, it's not new. I feel like we're about 20 years into this cycle of we screw up, and we get mad at the person for pointing out that we screwed up. It is, it is almost intrinsically American at this point. Instead of acknowledging, I made a mistake. I effed up. We're mad at you or we're defensive or whatever it is that we are. Instead of just saying, hey, look, screwed up. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to work my ass off and I'm sorry. That's all it takes. And it's the same way for me or for Paul when we screw up as it is for the Baltimore Orioles when they screw up. Whatever happened here, it's not Adam Jones' fault for pointing it out. It's not the folks on VEASAN or 105.7 or myself or Rita or anybody who was tweeting about it or the Baltimore Sun for writing about it or anybody's. It's nobody's fault. But the fault of the Baltimore Orioles for ever making one of their most iconic players not feel completely and totally welcome and part of this thing. All you gotta do—it's very simple. Apologies, hey, we screwed up here. Mistakes were made, and we are really sorry about it. Well, and, and I, we're gonna I, fix it. And we want Adam Jones to know he is always going to be welcome here. And it would be preferable for there to be some sort of formal relationship between the Orioles and Adam Jones. I'm not saying that he should replace Mike Elias, but you know, like there's be some sort of working relationship where Adam Jones comes to spring training, helps out with the Orioles. Can, can be available for events during the course of Game the year. So. It, exa- this type of thing that we've seen in more recent years with Eddie Murray and with Brooks Robinson. Mm-hmm. These are roles that great... I get it. Adam Jones is not Eddie Murray or Brooks Robinson because he's not going to end up in the Hall of Fame like they are. He didn't win World Series like they did. But he is the, the best of the next... There's the Hall of Famers, and then there's Adam Jones. He's next on the list. Well, and that's the point I was about
0: to make is that saying that we're sorry and we want you to be a part of this, to me, you got to do more than that. What you have to do there is Adam Jones isn't officially retired yet. Make him a focal point of this 30-year anniversary. Let him in front of everybody sign a one-day contract and retire. With yeah, the I Orioles. mean, if he
1: wants to. Like right. and, and I and I and I only say that, Paul, because I don't know. I in talking to Adam yesterday, like I sort of brought up, like, hey, if if Buck had a couple injuries in August and called you, and he was like, "Yeah, if Buck had a couple ingr- injuries in August and called me, I might." Mm-hmm. Uh, guys are just at different places in their life where they might not want to do that. You know what I mean? Like,
0: well, and and even a step further, and you're gonna lambaste me for this, right? Like you said, he's the most important player outside of the Hall of Famers. What he did for this community, what he meant for this team after going through 14 straight years of losing, the heart and soul of the team that went to the playoffs. You think they should retire years? his number? I think they should retire his number. Nobody's worn 10 since yeah. him.
1: I've talked about it before. But they, I don't, they should I, retire I, I, number. I'm not going to land base for you. I don't think it's crazy. Um, it, again, is outside of what they've done in the past.
0: They haven't won a World Series in 40 I, I, years. I understand you know?
1: that. I understand that. I completely understand that. Um, but I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed to that idea. I think it's reasonable. Um, I have suggested it in the past as being something the Orioles should do. I feel that strongly about Adam Jones. I also feel very strongly about Mike Messina, so there's another conversation to be had there. But I... And there's also the issue of at some point, you know, you'd like to hope there's going to be enough great players that you can't just keep retiring everybody's number, right? Like there's The
0: Ravens find a way, I, man. Yeah, well, With the Ring of Honor, they find a they, way. They
1: There are different things. Could they have, I've said before, is there a way to have something that's more significant than the Orioles Hall of Fame, but isn't as significant as retiring? Enough? Like, is there a way to create something that's a bit more, anybody can get into the Orioles Hall of Fame. No offense. I'm not trying to say it's nothing. It's still very meaningful. All the people that are involved, but we got to be able to decipher between Mike Bordick and Adam Jones. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a way to say, "Hey, is there an honor that can be more significant than than the same one that all of these other players have gotten over the years, but isn't quite the same as you are a Hall of Famer, you are a World Series champion?" I don't know. Like you got to think through that and what that would be. But I don't. What you're saying, I don't think is crazy. Mm-hmm.
0: I can already picture a statue for him, running after a ball, blowing a bubble.
1: I don't love statues. It's something that I just don't love. I don't love statues. The Joe Paterno thing really turned me off on statues as yeah, a whole. I get that. Humans are humans. I don't think we should try to deify them. Like mm-hmm. it's a whole. I had to learn a lesson. I'm I'm kind of opposed to statues because of it. Now I get it. We all like, you know, rubbing Johnny Unitas's foot on the way into the stadium. I'm. It, it's a complicated subject for me. I really got tur- the Joe Paterno thing really turned me sure. on a, the conversation about statues. I am less inclined to push for statues post Joe Paterno than I was once upon a time. Like when when um, the folks at Maroon are pushing for a Brooks Robinson statue, and the Orioles were balking at it, I was and vinegar and fired up about it and said Mm -hmm. what the hell are we doing and of course we got the brooks robinson statue and the moment we got it the oriole said well we're gonna do our own right like it's a whole different conversation for a different day um but that everything post paterno it just taught me like it was so vitriolic and it was it became such a centerpiece and it shouldn't have it should have been very easy for everyone involved to say Hey there were a lot of people that had a lot of awful things happen to them and anything that reminds them of that we sh- probably should do our best to to prevent them from having to to see that and go through it mm-hmm. but it became so vitriolic that it just made me realize like I don't think I want statues. I think that statues are come off as deification as we're we're saying you're more godlike and I just feel like there are other things we can do that aren't statues in order to honor people. I just feel like statues themselves really cross into this line of trying to make them more like a god, and mm-hmm. I'm uncomfortable with that. So, it's you know, I hear you, and I'm not saying that I, based on what you've done, I'm not saying it would be an awful idea. I'm just not the guy to campaign for more statues at this right. point. Um, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not gonna be, I think there are, there are other people that are gonna be far more angry and pissed off and fired up about this than I am. To me, this is very simple. Just fix it. Just fix it. Just this week, say, what do we got to do to get this fixed? How do we make this happen? Find out what Adam's looking for. Maybe Paul's right. Maybe hey, Abby w- Adam would like to come and you know retire as an Oriole or whatever. Maybe he'd love to do that. Maybe you go ahead and make sure you work out the details of his Orioles Hall of Fame ceremony for next summer. Whatever it is that you got to do, Get it done now. repair it this week and again this this is nothing at that point. This goes away so quickly the moment you get this fixed. the moment that Adam Jones is happy, which is all Orioles fans want. they want their former players that they loved. To be welcome and to be part of what it is that you do and to just have a cordial relationship, if nothing else, with the club that they played for. So just fix it. Just say, hey man, something happened here. We didn't we didn't mean to hurt Adam Jones. It was a genuine mistake on our end. You know, whether maybe they weren't certain that Adam was actually retired. Again, Adam just said to me yesterday, like, if Buck called, I would listen. So maybe they weren't certain that Adam was really retired. I mean, I don't I don't know. I would say it doesn't matter if Adam's retired or not. You should be having a constant ongoing relationship with your former player. I said this about the Ravens and Joe Flacco a couple years ago. I said the Ravens should absolutely invite Joe Flacco to be their legend of the game at the playoff game. And everybody was like, Well, he's not retired yet. I'm like, what the F does that matter? If he doesn't want to do it, if he says, hey, that would be disrespectful to the, I don't remember if he was with the Jets or the Eagles or the Broncos, whatever point it was, like if that would be disrespectful to them, so I don't want to do that, that's fine. Kevin
0: Millar did it in Boston.
1: Obviously, he did that. There's no debate about that. But if he doesn't want to do it, that's, that's completely understandable. But that doesn't mean you don't ask. That doesn't mean you don't maintain the relationship with him. That doesn't mean that you pretend like he doesn't exist. You're not tampering. You're not trying to trade or sign another player. You're inviting him back to a game. You're saying, hey man, would you like to come attend the game? Be our guest. Wave a towel. That's it. That's all you're doing. (laughs) So I don't think it should matter if a player is retired or not. Now they might tell us, hey, internally it does matter and there are rules laid out in Major League Baseball or the NFL that you can't do these things because it's considered tampering. They might say that if I really sat down and asked them. But you should be doing it behind the scenes then. Behind the scenes, you should be maintaining relationships with these players, even if they move on and play for another team. Just fix it. That's all. That's all. And then this does not matter. And then this is irrelevant. And it will be nothing more than a 24-hour blip that a year from now no one will remember. It will be easily forgotten within months. If you fix it, if there's a day in this summer where Adam Jones comes out and he waves out of the booth and everybody gets to cheer for him and he sits in on the mass and broadcast and we celebrate, and we, then this is nothing. This is over. This is long forgotten. So just fix it. That's all. That's it. That's. I mean, honestly, it's the end of it. I, the vitriol. The. If we get two years down the road and it hasn't been fixed and. Then, then we can talk. I mean, if we get a year down the road. If you we, know. I mean, whatever it is, then we if can talk then through the season. On the right, but right now you got an opportunity to make this go away, and it's it's very simple. Just fix it. Just just get this taken care of. Make sure Adam's happy. Make sure that he feels welcome here, and then all's good. All's good. I mean, there are other, you know, win more baseball games, like you know, do those things, <laughs> spend money at some point. All those things still become relevant arguments. But for this, this is easily fixable, and I believe they want to. The, the The information that I gathered, again, talking to a few different people yesterday, I believe they want that to be the case. I don't believe that this is we are angry at Adam Jones and we are still harboring that grudge and we're trying to take it out of him. Take it out on them. I genuinely believe that this is more mistake than aggression. So we'll find out. We'll find out in the coming weeks and months uh, if that ends up being the case. Now, uh, with that out of the way, the Orioles did play some baseball games out in Anaheim this weekend. And, in fact, they won two of them. It was a successful weekend series out in Anaheim. Let's see if this man's got enough in him because we got to go a full two minutes and he's not – it's not his strength. He is our two-minute man on Mondays. I haven't even
0: been able to do a minute the last two. Times. I know. I'm,
1: boy. Do you think I don't know that? I was too excited. Yeah. Mrs. Valley and I have been talking a lot recently. Oh, by the way, happy
0: birthday to Mrs. Clark.
1: Ah, yes, it is Mrs. Clark's birthday. She will never listen to this, but I will. I will pass along uh, your well wishes. Saw it on the Book of face. Yes, it is Mrs. Clark's birthday today. Uh, we had a lovely dinner the other night, and. Uh, we, we try to keep things low-key. Next year's a big one, so we'll maybe do something related to next year. But happy birthday, Mrs. Clark. In the meantime, it's time for our two-minute man. He is Paul Valley.
0: All right, so going into this weekend series, in my mind, it was the true test for the Orioles' pitching staff. Going up against a lineup that features Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, Darren Walsh. And sure enough, the first two games of the series, the pitching showed up. Bruce Zimmerman was a dog on Friday. First two times through the order, he he struck out uh, Trout, Rendon, and Otani four times. They went 0 for 6. The third time through, he struck out Otani for a third time. Trout walked and he gave up a two-run homer in the seventh to Anthony Rendon, but he was unbelievable, and with the news about John Means, it's nice to see him step up and, yeah. and, and pitch well. Uh, the next day, Spencer Watkins. Look, we kind of know what Spencer Watkins is, but right now he's pitching well. The only blip there was two solo home runs to Mike Trout, who is... He's okay. He is Mike Trout, right? Chris Ellis uh, got lit up yesterday, but we're, there's reason to believe there's a shoulder issue going on there. The silver lining there is this might be just in time for Kyle Bradish to come up and take his spot in the starting Rotation. The one thing I'm seeing from this team is that they're playing competitive ball games every single day. And that's the best that really you can hope for with this squad right now. And you look at Cedric Mullins, he's been struggling all year, hits in six of his last seven games. He reached base seven times in the last two games of that series. The thing that I noticed about him on Saturday night hit a bunch of balls hard, and yet a nice base hit to the opposite field. Really good swing decision there. He looks like he's breaking out of it. Trey Mancini, a man of just poor luck. Seven balls heading into into Sunday that he hit with 100-mile-an-hour exit velocity. One hit to show for it. He collects two hits yesterday, including a big three-run homer to get the Orioles back in the game. I think the lineup is starting to heat up. They've also yesterday struck out 12 times, but they've only struck out uh, 10 or more times twice in like the last eight games, which is nice to see because it seems like they're... And they're still walking a bunch, which is nice because the big problem with the Orioles with the runners in scoring position was they've been too aggressive in these in these areas, and they've been taking more pitches, looking to have better at-bats, and the numbers in score- with runners in scoring position
1: have gone up. Uh, uh, two minutes brought to you by the Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police. Make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good, bpdrecruit.org. Um, I, you know, I if i if i try to encapsulate it the the story of the last four games is that the offense has come to life mm-hmm. um will that continue right is the the first question the secondary question is of course will the pitching hold up again in the context of them being able to remain competitive probably not right like that's almost certainly not the case yes it's been a, a kind of a pleasant little stretch where they've won uh, two out of three and three out of five games and and that's neat. That's that's in finding any stretch this season where you win more games than you lose is a pleasant thing to find. But the likelihood is that's not who they're going to be. They're not going to win 60% of their games this season. That's Correct. not going to be a thing that's going to happen. Um, so, again, in trying to find big picture things that matter, Paul, I think, is absolutely right to continue pointing out Bruce Zimmerman. Bruce Zimmerman, specifically, is a, a, a represent, or represents a guy who can change his trajectory within this organization based on how he performs this season. He can go from being just the guy you throw out there because nobody else can pitch to a guy that you suddenly feel some confidence in and could give you one more pitcher for when all of this comes out in the wash. And yes, to point out, we're all bummed that, that John Means has to have Tommy John surgery. Again, the good news being that we have such a track record now of pitchers that are plenty capable post Tommy John surgery that it is no longer the death knell that it, it once was for pitchers. Um, but it's still concerning. And especially because, you know, John Means didn't have a complete season a year ago. We're now gonna go into next year with without being able to comfortably say that John Means is a top-of-the-rotation MLB pitcher, that we think he's capable of being that guy, but we can't say that comfortably. It's sort of like how we talk about Marlon Humphrey right now, right? Like, Mm -hmm. we still think he's a really high-level cornerback, but what we saw a year ago wasn't that. So we definitely still think he's part of the solution. We just don't know if it's because he's special or not. And we're going to be talking about John Means and kind of – or maybe it's more similar to Ronnie Stanley is the better comparison to make, just simply because of the time missed um involved that ronnie stanley is probably the better comparison like where we all are really nervous about ronnie stanley and want him to be ronnie stanley again and if he's healthy maybe there's reason to believe he can be ronnie stanley again but do we know that Uh, we got to see it until we know that and i feel like we're gonna be talking about john means that way going into next season
0: and the thing with john means this is the fourth straight year he's had an injury obviously this is the biggest one yes uh when he comes back likely you're probably missing most of, if not all, of 2023 also. When he comes back, I, he's, I don't got, he's got a year with the team, and he's a free agent. Maybe this, if, if you can find a silver lining for Tommy John surgery, maybe it helps the Orioles get a, a more team-friendly extension from him, and then he can come back and be a solid number three or number four in a rotation. Maybe,
1: maybe. That, I mean, maybe. You know, We're projecting a lot, obviously, yeah. oh, in, absolutely. That, in that way. Of, but, um, you know, maybe. Maybe. Um, the other thing that I think that is going to be one that I've be monitoring throughout the season is Brandon Hyde and Paul's point about, Hey, they are competing. It's something we've said before when the team was bad. Now in their were stretches last year, we weren't saying that of course, like when, when things completely fell apart, we were not talking about how the team was still competing, but we have had other stretches where we said like, they might not be very good, but they're competitive. Mm-hmm. And, I do think that matters in trying to figure out what the story is on Brandon Hyde. Because this is essentially a year by year thing at this point with the Orioles and Brandon Hyde. And does he get the right to manage these players as we shift into phase two? Well, we're shifting into phase two this year. Adley Rutschman's going to Aberdeen this week. That, of course, was another big part of the story this weekend. Adley Rutschman's going to Aberdeen. DL Hall's
0: going to Aberdeen. But
1: DL Hall's not on a. Right. He Adley Rutschman's there as a major league player that's rehabbing. DL yeah. Hall's rehabbing there before he gets assigned to Boone. Yeah, correct. Um to your point is it a good week to go to Aberdeen? Yeah, this would be a good week to go to Aberdeen and Go on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, I would uh, anybody who has the opportunity, I would go up and watch some games in Aberdeen this week. Do we know if that's when DL's pitching or not?
0: Uh, there's no way to know. They yeah, they, haven't they haven't made any, any kind of announcement. It, yeah. I'm I'm
1: hoping. But so he's going to start managing these guys this year. He's going to get the opportunity to manage Adley Rutschman here in a few weeks. He's going to get the opportunity to manage Grayson Rodriguez likely before the season is over. He's here for the initial part of phase two. Will he be allowed to continue being part of phase two as we move towards whenever it is they're going to choose to maybe spend some money on some baseball players? We don't know. I think we've all worked under the assumption that most likely not, but can he earn that right by having a modicum of success with these players? Would that be enough for the Orioles to say, hey, look, you know, they're competitive, they're battling. We know that they're not all that good, but they were far closer to 500 than we expected them to be this season, and there were some positive signs with the young players that matter, so maybe we ride it out a little bit longer. I think that's something we're going to have to monitor. It's difficult to judge Brandon Hyde because he doesn't have a good baseball team to work with.
0: I, I, I look at the situation with Brandon Hyde, and when I say this, I'm nobody. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have nothing to say this other than a gut Bob feeling. Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I just have a gut feeling. I think there's a reason that he's a lame duck manager. I don't think he's in the plans for the team's future, and I really think beat with the Houston Ties— I think Carlos Beltran is in their plans, maybe to be, to be the manager. May, and, and maybe that's just my opinion. It's
1: all speculation. Yeah, it's it's very speculative. Maybe mm-hmm. I I would go back to I think that I think that can I would go as far as to say I don't know that they have definitive plans there. Mm-hmm. I think it's far more likely that it's let's watch this thing play out. Yeah, because you're not going to be able to get someone like that if they don't if if Adley Rutschman looks awful this season and Grayson Rodriguez looks like. Nobody's coming here, right? So in order to get a manager that you want, there's got to be a there there. Yeah, well, and, and that, you don't know that there's a there there yet. That,
0: that's that's true. But in that situation, considering what he went through and being fired before every managing game for the Mets, it could be. Yes, yeah, so that it's his
1: only opportunity in order to. Right. Like, I, it's a whole different conversation. It's a yes, completely absolutely. different conversation that I don't I don't know about. Uh, what, um, but what, go ahead. But uniquely to Brandon Hyde, if they exceed expectations if the bats do come to life and the pitching somehow holds up and they flirt with 500 this year, there's a strong argument for saying, I don't know what our plans were, but it's moving in the right direction with this guy. So what are we doing here? We're a long way away from having any of that. I'm not telling you that it's going to happen. I'm saying it's something worth monitoring as the year goes on. That's all.
0: What and what I'm watching with this team, um, that's because last year after John Means no hitter, they were 15 and 16, and then mm-hmm. they immediately lost like 14 games. 100. Um, what I'm seeing from this team that's different from last year is, with the exception of Oakland, who somehow they lost three or four to, they've been hanging with good baseball teams who were all playoff teams mm-hmm. last year. Um, no, the and, Angels weren't. Oh, uh, th- that's right. But the Angels, going into that series, the Angels had the best record in the American mm-hmm. League. Uh, they're hanging with these teams. They're being competitive. Last year, they'd win a game six to five, and then they'd lose a game eleven to one. And what we're seeing is far more competitive, closer ball it's, games. It's and still
1: a very small sample size. But I hear, I right. hear what it is. And I'm that telling
0: you're myself not to buy in, but I'm seeing different play from this team than I saw last year.
1: Well, we will, s- we will see if it can continue. All right, today's show also brought to you by your neighborhood glory days. Grill, get there, try the opener, the flash-fried pork belly with the Korean number two sauce. Oh, my, it's on the spring seasonal menu, as well as the crunch burger topped with the home run sauce, the white American cheese, and the house-made chips. Then there's the, boy, I have to get over to try the baseball-cut sirloin with the blue cheese, the grilled shrimp with the garlic butter, the strawberry salmon salad. Oh, and as if that weren't enough, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. They're celebrating baseball season at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, glorydaysgrill.com to get your order in. We come back in. We're going to switch gears, talk some NFL draft. Former Terp Sam Okawanu joins us next. Glenn Clark Radio. Keith Lee.
2: Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte.
3: Thank you so much
1: for having me.
2: Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard.
1: MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Yeah. Le Champion! Chris Jericho. the Champion.
2: AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at pressboxonline.com
1: slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Answering Baltimore's calls for help running in when others run away working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city that's your baltimore police but the department needs more good people people like you join a proud new generation of baltimore police and make an active difference in your community start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one join for good at bpd
4: Over 4100 North Point Boulevard.
1: The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 air. Area- locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com stay tuned your chance to win a million dollars is coming up probably not from us you're listening to glenn clark radio Right, back in here on GCR as we continue on a Monday edition of the program. Coming up this morning, we're going to chat with Delaney Williams, of course, play uh, plays Commissioner Kevin Davis, and We Own This City, which debuts tonight on HBO. Right now, we had to uh, do this a little bit earlier on because of his schedule, training and getting ready for the NFL draft this weekend, but an opportunity to chat with a former Terp who has a real shot at hearing his name called during the course of the weekend. He's defensive end Sam Okawanu right here on GCR. Well, join now here on GCR as we are just days away from the NFL draft is a young man who's preparing to hear his name called. He had an amazing path even before he arrived in College Park, and he's put together quite the career as a Terrapin now getting ready for the start of his pro career. He is defensive end Sam Okawanu, and he's with us now here on GCR. Sam, it's Glenn back in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. Thank you for
3: having me, man.
1: Pleasure to be here. It's great to chat with you, dude. I'm I'm really, like, I got to imagine that these are both stressful and, like, incredibly exciting days for you at this point. Can you describe what this feeling has been like, what this process has been like?
3: I mean, it's been fun, man. You know,
1: just trying to stay, uh, stay humble and enjoy the process.
3: Uh, you know, first and foremost. But now it's definitely been, you know, mixed emotions. Uh, you know, up and down. Just stressful. Just, you know, just really want to get over it. Um, but you know, it's very exciting times. Also, you know, I'm excited to start a new chapter in my life. I'm excited to see, you know, where I end up at. You Thank know, you. Um, you know what team I'm gonna be a part of. New city. I'm gonna have to. You know, so just, you know, just to, so, you know, decided times. I'm very excited.
1: I gotta imagine, it can't nearly be as nerve-wracking as like it was when you literally came over from Liberia when you were a young <laughs> person, like, like, a lot of guys are probably like, whoa, this is crazy, and you gotta be like, nah, this is alright, this can't be all that. <laughs> <laughs> right,
3: right, exactly, exactly, you know, just, uh, you know, somebody that moved around a lot, so, uh, you know, just being, uh, getting used to that, being used to that feeling, of, you know, being able to adjust to your environment and, like, you know, feeling nervous about meeting new people. And, you know, but, it's like I said, it's
1: all exciting, man. It's all exciting. Sam, how confident are you at this point? Having gone through everything, you know, the season that you had this year, the opportunities that you've had to show yourself, how confident are you that you're going to hear your name called during the course of this weekend? I
3: mean, I'm very confident I'm going to hear my name called, you know. But, you know, it's just, I, I played all uh, my um, cards on the table, man. Uh, you know, I did everything I could do and, uh, you know, cards out of my hand
1: now and, uh, you know, just
3: waiting to see what happens on that date. Well, but, you know, I'm pretty confident you should hear my name called.
1: How important, you know, was this extra season getting the opportunity to go back out there for one more year? And and, and do you feel like you raised your level of play even a little bit more during the course of this final season?
3: Definitely. Most definitely, man. Um, what was your your first part? I know I heard, heard you say
1: just year. just how you know how important was it the opportunity to get to come back and have this season and kind of a full normal football season right in order to show exactly right. what you were capable of.
3: No, yeah. no, it was definitely uh, it was definitely great to have it, man. You know, not just for
1: me, but like you know every you know every senior on the
3: team really needed this season because you know last year COVID we only had uh, like four or five games, so. You know, just being able to put everything together that I learned from you know 2019 and like the little games we played in 2020, you know, just being able to showcase my talent and like you know everything my D line coach B will taught me, you know, was major, you know, major accomplishment being like 13, team, uh, you know, all Big Ten and yep. stuff. You None know, of that would have happened, you know, if it wasn't for this year. So, you know, very happy uh, came back, man. Very happy for this COVID year, you know, to give me a give me a, a, another chance to showcase my talent, you know. Chuck I am, uh, you know, top prospect in the draft, or whatever. You know, just play, leave all the cards out there, man. You know, just play hard every snap. Uh, play, you know, my hardest, best of my abilities. And uh, just let the cards, you know, fall the place.
1: Sam Okawanu from Maryland is with us here on GCR. Sam, you, you really busted out as a pass rusher this season and ended up with six sacks. Do you, do you, you know, obviously you're more of a complete player at that position But do you feel like that could be even more of a sign of what's to come? Did you find yourself saying, "Okay, yeah, now now put me put me in the NFL, and that number could easily be in double digits."
3: Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. You know, I feel like one thing a lot of people don't know about me is, you know, I'm very new to the game of football. Right. Uh, This this is like my fifth ever football season, and you know, and I'm learning each and every season. I'm learning, I'm improving. So you know, my ceiling is very high. On. but yeah, man. Like that number, that number is definitely gonna go up. You don't know, want to get to the league, being around you know lead guys, and you know football is really all about knowledge. You know, the more you know, like the better you know you can see, you can make your reads, and you know you just the, the game just kind of slows down with knowledge, and you know knowledge is gonna come with time. And the more I play this game, you know everything is gonna slow down, man. And uh, you know I, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be a great player in the league, and I just know it. My work ethic. And, you know, my, my my passion for the game and, like, how I love to watch film, I just know, you know, I have very high ceiling, so I'm trying to reach that.
1: You know, you, you mentioned still being somewhat new to the game. When was the first time that you actually played football, Sam?
3: So, the first time I actually played football, like, a full season, was, like, my senior year
1: in high school. That's so wild to me. That's so wild yeah. to me. When, when was it that it first hit you that, like, maybe I could do this for the rest of my life? Like, when was the first time you had the thought – that this wasn't just a thing you were pursuing, that it was something that you really might be capable of doing?
3: Man, i will probably say uh, when I uh, when I went to my second Juco, so out of high school, out of high school, I really started to like, you know, like, felt the love for the game because before that, I used to play soccer. I was a big soccer guy. So like, when my cousin, and my senior year, my cousin persuaded me, you know, just try out, try out football, try out football. You know, you might really, he, like, you might really be good at it because you're kind of big or whatever. But, you know, I was kind of hesitant because I didn't really like, football or whatever. Like, <laughs> so, 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 like, I don't know. I didn't really like it. But um, I feel like the more and more I just played the game, like, the more I started to love it. And uh, the more I, the hunger for the game just increased. And, and, uh, but when I got to my second Juco in, uh, what's it called, in Minnesota, and I was, like, first-team All-American, Virginia College. Like, I led the nation in sacks with, like, 17 and a half. I was like, okay, maybe I can play this game. Right. <laughs> like, maybe I'm not too bad. And, you know, so this is my fourth-ever season, man, and I'm just improving.
1: I'm just improving, improving, improving. So, so p- where do you think you fit, Sam? Like, and I know the answer is wherever a coach asks you to be. Like, I understand that. Right. But where do you think the the best fit is for you? Let's just say hypothetically, you know, here in Baltimore, it's a 3-4 defense. W- what is the best, do you think, fit for you within, say, a 3-4 type of defense? Uh,
3: even a 3-4 type of defense, I could definitely play multiple positions. Uh, I could definitely play outside linebacker. Uh, I think I'm great coming up the edge. I could set the edge. I, the that's what top.
1: I was going to say. You're, are you confident in your ability to set the edge against the run?
3: Right, right, exactly. And uh, You know, I'm definitely I'm, – uh, you know, working on my pass rush and stuff. But, I mean, I, I can be a very productive person, you know, coming off the edge. Uh, but I could also play, you know, like the uh, strong side 5 or 3-tech. Because, you know, at Maryland, we actually played multiple front. We played a 3-4 and a 4-3, but we mostly played 3-4. So, you know, I had to play on the inside, too. So I was playing defensive end, and tackle. But also, I play outside linebacker. You know oh, what I mean? So yep. it's really like... <laughs> You know, wherever they see me at. I mean, well, I
1: understand that's the answer. I completely understand that your position is going to be whatever somebody says to go do. You're going to be like, man, that's right. it. That's, right. that, that's right. what I'm doing now. The yeah, the experience at Maryland and, and being part of a team that was able to turn things around for this program um, over your three years here and then to go out the way that you guys did, get into a bowl game, paste in a big-time opponent in a bowl game this year, how good did that feel? I know, you know, this isn't, you're not from here the way that some guys are, and you might not know all the history of Maryland football, but from where it was when you arrived to being able to have a moment like that, can you describe what that meant to you? I mean,
3: to be honest with you, I feel like that's one of my biggest accomplishments, being here, you know, being in Maryland. Like, you know, just being a part of the culture change here, man. Like, when I first came here, I felt like guys wasn't, you know, as motivated you know, I still, I still I still needed to be a guy wasn't really excited about practice. But now, like, you know, this last season, like, you know, you see guys amped up before practice, like, you know, very excited trying to get better, you know. Like, after losses, you know, guys take it very seriously. You guys watching film calling me up, asking me, like, you know, what adjustments should I make? What, what should I have done here? What should I have done here? But, like, you know, in 2019 when I came in, it wasn't like that. So just being a part of that and then, you know, winning the ball game, like, that was a big thing. Like, wow, you know, being a part of that whole culture change, man, just being a leader, you know, in the D-line room, like, you know, trying to lead by example, uh, trying to, like, you know, have the new, the new, uh, like the uh, freshmen and stuff come in with, like, the mindset, like, you know, I'm coming here to work. You yeah. know? But now you're just going to sit around and they'll go through the motions, really. So you know, I just like you know, forced me to step up too and uh, step up my game because I knew like you know the young boys were gonna be watching me. So you know, I wanted to make sure I was setting the best example for them too. But yeah, man, it was great being a part of that culture change. Man, is definitely you know one of the proudest things about
1: Maryland. What do you, what do you credit the culture change to, Sam? Obviously, as you talk about guys like you having to step up and lead the way, but but what else? How how did this happen that the culture changed so much at Maryland?
3: I mean, I think because definitely did a good job of bringing in the right guy that's going to fit, you know, our locker room. But I was also, you know, also guys just get got tired of you know losing and being you know same old like Maryland. You know, that was a big part of you know the reason too because you know you get like I don't know everybody's got sick and tired of it. You know? it, was, <laughs> it was, like walking through the motions, you know, Maryland, you know. So this year, like, we just attacked every practice, every drill, trying to get 1% better, and that was a big thing for us this year. just getting 1% better. And, uh, you know, just the way guys adjust practice and, you know, adjust adjust the lift and, like, everything. Like, you know, it was great. It was great, man.
1: That's awesome, man. It's awesome to hear, you you know, like, just, man, we just got sick of it. We got sick of the losing, right? right? It doesn't want to be that way anymore. Right. That's what it takes. That's awesome, man um uh, sam are you familiar with the the legacy of the baltimore ravens defense like when i say those words what yeah,
3: sir, okay sir. T-
1: what what comes to mind for you when i say ravens defense
3: man, ray lewis
1: Reed, you
3: know you got uh, uh what's his name i'm
1: doing 55 oh terrell suggs yeah of course terrell
3: suggs, man he's a dog man oh man I love Michael Pierce too. He's out there right now.
1: Wow, uh, that's cool.
3: Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah, I know about the. Uh, I know about Baltimore defense, man. You know, historical for like, you know, between legendary, physical guys, tough guys. You know, just, uh, you know, just gritty guys. You know, just hard workers. You know, run to the ball, run to every play, and uh, you know, that's how I see myself. So I, I see myself as a great fan in Baltimore,
1: man. That's what I was I was getting to. Like, so being a part of like the the legacy of the Ravens defense, it sounds like that would be something that would be pretty. And again, knowing you'll be, I I know you're gonna be excited no matter where it where it right. is. But right, it sounds right. like the way you reacted to that is that would mean maybe something a little bit more to you to be a part right. of that history. Yeah,
3: most definitely, man, most definitely. You know, uh, a lot of a lot of great defensive guys that came out of you know Baltimore Ravens. Right? So. It would be an honor to be a part of that, man. It would definitely be an
1: honor to be a part of that. That'd be really cool, man. That'd be really, really cool if it would work out that way. Sam, what is sure. it that you most want, you know, uh, like when you when you go through these meetings, when you have these opportunities, what is it that you want to have the coaches, the the scouts, the GMs walk away saying about you?
3: Um, you know, like he's a very energetic guy. You know, he's a he's a leader, he's a hard worker. Um I like I want them know, leaving the meeting knowing that they're getting a solid player. Like, <laughs> like I'm the guy for them. You know, like I don't want no doubts in their head. Like, but then again, you can't really control that. Yep. But really, you know, like when I go into this meeting, when I go into these meetings and stuff, like I'm very like high energy. You know, just having a regular conversation with them. Just you know, just leaving it all out there, man. Just enjoying the process just talking to them like you know like it was just a conversation like some guys going to the meeting like their palms sweating and stuff sure but, st- yeah right right Well <laughs> at the end of the day man you gotta be yourself but you know to answer your question man I'll just say you know I'll just say having them understand like who I am like you know where I came from like
1: Oh, I am as a person
3: like you know I'm a hard worker <laughs> like I'm gonna leave everything out there
1: every single time like every single play every single snap that's awesome man that's incredible alright Sam Okawano. Um, Sam give me an idea Twitter Instagram anywhere like that where can Maryland fans be giving you a follow as you're going through this uh, this process this next week in your pro career
3: yes sir yes sir uh, you give me a follow on Twitter at Okawano, uh O-K-U-A Y-I-N-O-N-U and on Instagram at Sam dot 97 samok dot OK97. I'm
1: i you know what I had on my list and I didn't get to I meant to ask you, like you were a kinesiology major. Where did that come from, bro? Like what what was what was the interest there and like what are you thinking about for, for the life I mean, whenever football ends?
3: Man, to be honest with you, I think I'm trying to really say, you know, after football is uh, <laughs> The only is a real estate man. <laughs> <by the way. laughs> All, right. All right, hey man, it's good work
1: to find, bro. It's good work sure, to find. Sure. Hey, um. um Sam, really appreciate taking the time for us, dude. We are wishing you luck. It was an awful lot of fun to watch you play over these last couple of years, man. And and Thank your you. your story is real inspiring to a lot of people of, of getting after something um, when not, nothing was ever easy for you at this point. So, uh, wishing you nothing but the best, man. Thank you for taking the time for us and best of luck as you go through this. All right. Thank you so much for having me, man. Thank you. It's Sam Okawanu from the University of Maryland, getting ready for the NFL Draft this week. Appreciate him taking the time as. Uh, He's a hell of a football player, as you saw six sacks this past season. Someone that could really help a lot of teams. All right. Uh, As I mentioned, uh, Aaron Oster joins us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday. You're going to want to be there for that tomorrow morning, 1140 a.m. as we really put the NFL Draft into focus, how you can make some money betting the draft. We'll be talking about it tomorrow morning, 1140 a.m. on Simply the Bets, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Our number one of today's program just about in the books from Ryan. Ryan said, bah, bah, bah. Glenn, um, everything you're saying about Adam Jones is, of course, true. I am probably a bit more angry about it than you appear to be. It feels like just one more embarrassing blemish in a life of embarrassing blemishes as being an Orioles fan. I, I, Ryan, I hear you. I get it. I really do get it. I do my best to try to apply context and I, again, the information I've got from talking to a bunch of different people makes me think this is more mistake than aggression. That doesn't make it less embarrassing, doesn't make it okay, but I am willing to just say, hey man, fix it. And as long as it's fixed, we're good. You fix it, there is is no problem. If Adam's happy, if he's all right, then... Then we're all good. Move on. Next thing. Go worry about winning baseball games. Today it's awkward because it's not fixed. So just go fix it. I'm very pragmatic in that way. I'm not going to get overly emotional about something, but as I said, there will be a date down the road where if it's not been fixed, I'll, I'll give you my hellfire and brimstone. Now you know about it. Now you know it's a problem. So go fix it. You do that, we're good. Issue is they haven't always fixed their issues. And in fact, I just found out that our next guest still holds it against them that they let go of John Miller all those years ago. We are really excited as we transition into our number two of today's show. Of course, We Own This City debuts tonight on HBO, and our next guest got back on the David Simon train for We Own This City. He plays police commissioner, former Baltimore Police Commissioner Kevin Davis um he is outstanding and of course you remember him as well sergeant lansfield from the wire it is a pleasure for us to welcome into the program for the first time mr delaney williams is with us now here on gcr delaney it's glenn and paul in baltimore it's great to chat with you man thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us hey glenn and paul thank you for having me so you you really have not forgiven the orioles for john miller still to this day
2: no no i mean i i i I haven't and you know what has the wound a little bit is that uh my washington nationals Mm. are Mm. world series champions Mm. so Mm. you know uh, yeah but let me tell you this is this is the way it happened Uh, i i I was born in washington dc i grew up here uh in the 60s and i was a big senators fan in 1971 i had broken my leg and i went down to the field on picture day on the last season before our senators were stolen away again (laughs) And I got my picture taken with Frank Howard. He put his arm around me. All right. Hey, Tiger. And I was like, yes, that's my team. And then they were gone. And so I was an Orioles fan from that point forward. I took the 66 championship inside. I took 69, (laughs) 70, 71. We had had great teams. Uh, 79 was a great team, but we won't talk about that. We had Cal to the very end. And showing up at Camden Yards the first time, it was like, I am a devout atheist, but this is heaven. <laughs> but then after that, and I'm a big Angelos fan because you wouldn't field a, 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 a strike team, a team of scabs. Um, uh, one union, union strong. But, everything else has been kind of scary
1: and sad. not great yeah it has not been great yeah. it has been a very difficult time period you are not wrong about anything And by the way i also don't blame you like i've talked about this before there are plenty of capitals fans in baltimore i am not one of them right but oh, i would like to hear that. i would like to hope it's I, it, I don't hate them i don't have anything against them i'm just you know i don't associate the same way right um sure. I, I would like to hope that if Baltimore, for whatever reason, would ever get a hockey team, then folks in Baltimore would root for that hockey team instead of rooting for the Capitals. I I just feel like that's what makes sports fandom great. Is when it's, it's a touch, when you feel it, because it's impacting your own community. It's, you know, you, I'm sure, especially in your business, meet plenty of people that are Lakers and Yankees and Notre Dame and Cowboys fans. And, like, what, what is the point of that? What is the point of being a sports fan just to randomly choose some team that you have no connection with whatsoever?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I, I I've done that with uh, the Premier League today. Uh, Crystal Palace, my okay. team, is going to take leads and spank them. Um, go you Palace, go you Glazers, up Palace. But um, more to the point, in Baltimore, you did have a hockey team. I think it was an
1: affiliate of the Capitals. That is true. They the, were skip jacks. the Skipjacks. Yes, you know, you sir. Could play
2: downtown. Yes, sir. So yep. I'm thinking you should lead the charge to bring back, bring that, the Skipjacks the home. Skip-jack. I am for it.
1: We got it. They're redoing the arena. They're remodeling the arena. They need a tenant. They need some more dates filled. Let's go. You know what, Delaney oh, Williams, my. you've inspired me this morning. Let's make this I happen.
2: I think this is the
1: way we're going to go. He's the second person to put that on your shoulders it's in the true, last few you days. You know what, that's actually a really good point. There's, <laughs> I have had some requests. All right, fine. I got Boy, this it's is a destiny, burden. It's destiny, brother. I've got to make it happen. Delaney, I'm so glad to talk to you, man. Um, and not just about uh, how thick Josh laid the accent on in the show. We'll get to that later on. Um, sure. the, the show is wonderful. I got the opportunity last week to, to sit down and binge it all and – We all knew it would be wonderful. And to me, that's almost what I feared the most is like our expectations for this show, because Justin's book is so good. And because it's David and it's so many familiar faces to us. I worried that our expectations were so sky high. Did you almost have any concern, any trepidation getting back involved saying, hey, people are going to think this is going to be The Wire, you know, the greatest show in television history. That's a really high standard. Were you almost worried about getting involved with this project because of that?
2: Oh, absolutely not. Okay, I
1: mean,
2: you, and never think about it that way. That doesn't make. I understand it, and I knew that was a concern, and I know that's a concern for the producers. But they don't care, and I don't care. It has nothing to do with the wire. Um, this is Justin Sentin's brilliant book. Yep, uh, brought to life. So mostly it's, it's not the fictionalized story that The Wire was telling about the city. Mm-hmm. This is uh, particular and specific. It is indicative of the kind of stuff that's 20 years later the same in Baltimore and in many major cities. Um, but, but I'd say, no, it's not The Wire 2. You shouldn't be looking for The Wire 2. Um, I'm not playing Jay Landsman. I'm playing uh, the uh, Deputy Commissioner and then Commissioner uh, Kevin Davis. And what we're doing is we're bringing Justin's reporting to life, really. Um, so that, yes, it's in a way that we're trying to get more eyeballs. It is a television show. It is an HBO uh, show, and um, it, you know, you think of it as the story further along. But you're, you're not you're not looking at a fiction. You're looking at a, the reality of today in Baltimore, and the the people of Baltimore, I, you know, I ran into folks who were like, "Yeah, I know this guy, and I know that guy, mm-hmm. I know this guy," and mm-hmm. I had the chance graciously and generously. Uh, Kevin Davis agreed to have lunch with me and share his uh, uh, his perspective on the events of uh, surrounding the Freddie Gray uh, uh, and and the Gun Trace Task Force during his tenure there. Um, so I want to thank him in particular, but, uh, you know, watch it for its own, you know, you're going to, you're going to watch this show because you know that you're going to get something you don't expect, something you don't see anywhere else. And, and as David Simon uh, says, uh, we are the PBS of HBO, so watch (laughs) it for that
1: um uh, you you know you mentioned obviously you got to know kevin look there are a lot of questions that i think both the book and the show are demanding of us i've talked before like i think one of the questions is how corruptible are all of we right like i think that's one of them but i think in particular there's a question that's being demanded by both which is how could more people not have known and you in particular especially in your role and there's mm-hmm. one scene, and I'm not going to try to give too much away about it, but it feels like some of that is coming out. Did you find yourself asking the same question as you dove into the character, as you dove into the story? How could this have been going on without more people knowing? Do you have doubt about how many more people might have known? Um,
2: I don't know. I don't have doubt about how many more people might have known. Uh, I think many more people knew and
1: mm-hmm. many
2: more people always know.
1: Yeah. And
2: occasionally it takes the courage of the individual to have that story break out. And usually it takes the courage of the electorate to make the change and, you know, and to protect from right now we're watching a, a, a lot of effort being put into, uh, not having free elections, mm-hmm. uh, not having, uh, correct information out there. Mm. And um, uh, I don't know. What was the question again? I
1: think <laughs> I went off on a chance No, no. I I I by the way, I share your frustrations. Yeah, I share them quite well. No, just about how many more people could have known and and, and how you convey that yeah. part of the story that it's it lingers over as much as the story is about Wayne Jenkins and the GTTF, the, the second and, and Sean Suter, of course, the secondary part of the story that we are still struggling within this city and the years that have followed is, you know, how many more people could have known how corrupt is all of this and, and how do you convey all of that? Because that's clearly such a part of the story for this show.
2: Well, I, I, I think that... Um... Sean is the perfect example. Yep. Um, he's the perfect example of, no matter who the viewer of this story is, they can put themselves in his position. And I think the same can be said of all of the individuals on, from Commissioner Davis to uh, every street officer in, in the gun trace task force, to every police officer in the city, and every, every member of the community can look at Sean Suter's situation and say, what do I do? This is, for him in particular, a life and death question. And for everybody else, it's about your entire life, I think, you know, and how you live that life. So uh, we get to see that not everybody steps up. Yep. Um, We hope that we would step up. A lot more people um, know about it, and we hope that they will step up.
1: What you, sir, are able to convey as an actor with something as simple as a facial expression, (laughs) it was something as simple as a sigh is incredibly powerful can you obviously you are an actor right like so we know it's your it's your art it's your gift it's what you do but we've we've seen an awful lot of it from you now over the years where where does that in particular what you're able to do just with your facial expressions and a sigh where did that come was that was that something learned was it something innate because you are so capable of conveying so much with so little
2: Well, that's very kind of you to say. I really appreciate it. um, It's kind of the pride of, I try not to take too much pride, but the pride of my craft, of my art, is conveying without anything. The writer's already written the story.
1: um, And
2: my job is to exist in the story and present that person as fully as possible. And um, so, it's um, for me, it's a question of, not creating things it's a question of not making kevin davis but living kevin davis for the time that we're in that moment because Mm -hmm. we're seeing a moment from 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 when he walks into the room to when he walks out of the room at the end of the scene Mm -hmm. and and we're only seeing that moment so i can't i have to fight against giving you more uh, (laughs) against like you say knowing that i know and that that character knows and that the actor knows i just want the the person to know in that moment so that we can see how that moment happens to him. And then you get to see, especially in the, in the medium of, of film and television, you get to see pretty close exactly what he's thinking. And the actor, I feel like if the actor isn't thinking what, he's, what the character is thinking at that moment, then you can see it as an audience member. So that's the way I go about it anyway.
1: The one there is there is the one scene. And again, I don't want to give anything away because we're we're, we're getting, no uh, spoilers. You've yeah, seen more than I've it, seen.
2: I've only seen the first episode. Oh, are you
1: serious? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it just like everybody else. The one scene, and I th- I think you know, because it's the it's the important scene when the commissioner walks in. Can you take mm-hmm. me through that particular scene and did you always know exactly what you were doing was it is exactly how it was written because it, it's so it is i'm i'm waiting having read the book i'm waiting for this scene and it somehow was even more powerful to me than what i expected from reading the book yeah
2: uh well that's i appreciate that um i can't really i don't want to
1: I know, I know, it makes it very difficult it makes it so difficult because I can't, Mm -hmm. I need everybody to see this and understand what I'm talking about
2: everybody's got about 10 hours however long to read Justin's sentence
1: book first and then
2: start watching the show and then uh, make your own uh, judgments about everything that happens in there, but that um, the interesting part of that scene if I remember correctly is uh, another bit of uh, TV movie magic Um, we shot for four or five months in the fall Uh, that was my one of my first days it was back in late July and so we were shooting a scene from later in the story for all of these people at the very beginning so you basically have to have lived all of the stuff you're going to do over the next four months Mm. in terms of the actor uh, knowing what's happened to this character Mm. and then that person has to show up on the very first day hmm. and so um that's what i remember most about that was like
1: okay oh, we're getting right to it right? <laughs> we're getting yeah.
2: right to it yeah. we're getting right to it today and it was so great because i got to play with uh john bernthal johnny uh, and i have worked together on a couple shows that's uh, cool i've worked on his show the punisher yep. on netflix yep. and um uh, on this and of course he's a dc boy too um and uh we never i never actually get to have like scenes with him and 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 i'm going to call that our scene together <laughs> oh i mean it's it qualifies
1: right like it definitely qualifies the next
2: oh. time we get to work together we're actually going to have scenes i know it
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was oh dude it's it is delaney it is a really powerful scene man it is it is a showmaking scene in we own oh, this city thanks. Um, just being back, Delaney Williams is with us Just another couple of minutes as we get ready for We Own the City He, of course, plays Commissioner Kevin Davis I know, as we said, this is not The Wire 2 But just being back in Baltimore And being around these folks That you had worked with before Can you put into words what it meant to you You know, we're talking 20 years later, right? This is the 20th anniversary Of the first season of The Wire What it meant to you to be able to revisit Some of that in doing this show
2: It's kind of... Um Well, I didn't know, uh, I didn't expect that it would be as uh, thrilling Mm. as it was, Mm. because uh, I knew it was going to be, you know, nostalgic and reminiscent of good times and bad times 20 years ago. Um, You know, all of it. Uh, But when I first got to, we shot the first season of The Wire. uh, Of course, most of my scenes were in the Homicide Unit. And we shot that in the first season on the four, fifth or 6th, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th floor of 100 North Charles, Street, yep. a skyscraper in downtown, you all know it. Um, and um, then we moved out the sound stages for the next four seasons. Uh, but we came back and shot in the exact same building almost 20 years to the day from my first day working on the wire. And that kind of had me wandering around the, 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 uh, the PA was like, "Come on, we got to go to set," and I was like, "I need to take a minute here." Wow. So I kind of wandered around the building and and uh, and, and I remembered twenty years ago and the and everything after.
1: Oh, that's so, so cool! Oh, that's so cool! Was sort of a spiritual experience for me. That's awesome, that Child. That's awesome. <laughs> so so Josh just put back on me. So Josh is our buddy. I mean, Josh is everybody's friend in this city, as you know. Um, So he just pushed back As I said he was laying And he and I talked about this A couple weeks ago I don't think he laid He's saying he didn't lay Into the accent any thicker Than if I had heard her That's exactly And I believe that Right I completely believe it I am just convinced That Josh could It's hard for me to imagine Anybody else having more fun With a character Than Josh was having With this (laughs) unrepentant asshole Like this unbelievable And with this thick Baltimore accent. I, I have to imagine that he was having th- just the joy of his life with that character, being able to do those things. Can you confirm or deny said, said belief that I have? Okay.
2: Well, I absolutely agree with you 100%. Yeah. Um, but I can't confirm nor deny because we actually, I think I saw oh, you, I Josh guess that's true. You didn't really? Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's a, okay.
2: I okay. think onset maybe one day or two days total. And uh, I have to say that what I've seen in the first episode, uh, yeah, it might be dead solid perfect.
1: Right. I just, I, the moment I saw it, I said, my God, this, this was meant for him. Like, this was the moment, man. <laughs> like, it is so unbelievably thick. It's so Baltimore, and he's such an asshole. And it's just oh. so perfect. It oh, is yeah. so perfect. But
2: shall we call him the poster child of Baltimore asshole?
1: I I think Oh boy, I'm Are you saying are we saying that about Herschel or are we saying that about Josh Charles cuz I'm good either way. Yeah, no, honestly. I'm
2: done. Are <laughs> we, are we done? Is this interview over? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um Delaney Williams, it, it is such a joy to chat with you, my friend. It it really I am so happy that that you were a part of this thing and you brought so Me much too to kevin davis um wh- is there anything else we can plug for you that you have going on i know you're on twitter like what what could we get a plug-in for you for
2: oh uh, let's see what am i doing oh you know what i'm working trader joe's later today i got a shift there <laughs> but after my shift i'm going to be live tweeting on twitter during the uh, show okay uh, when the show comes up and also my gig for my, my other side gig uh, actor side gig for the last uh, Fifteen years or so has been uh, narrating audiobooks for the blind for the National Library Service wow. for the blind and print disabled for the Library of Congress. So please spread the word about uh, that program.
1: Wow, that's really cool. That's a really yeah. cool side hustle. That's very very neat. At the yeah, it
2: makes me feel good, and you know, it's a side hustle as
1: well. I mean, everybody's got to work. I get it, man. Like yeah, even and it's amazing. I, even, I mean, you talk about Trader Joe's; they've been doing
2: free books for the blind for.
1: 50, 60, 70 years wow. I think, out of that studio. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah. That's incredible. At Delaney Williams on Twitter. That's how you follow him. Delaney Williams, thank you for taking the time for us this morning, my friend. And and truly cannot tell you how much we enjoyed the show, your performance. And we want to do a big uh, a 20th anniversary celebration later on this year. So we're going to be in touch with you because we're going to do a big oh, week celebrating yes. The Wire, if, you, if that's all right. Absolutely.
2: Thanks. And it was a great pleasure speaking to you, dude. Thank you. Today. And everybody watch the show tonight. And if you don't watch it tonight, watch it soon. It's streaming all the time, I'm pretty sure.
1: Uh, yeah, it'll be right up on HBO Max, right? I almost certain sure. of that. Absolutely. Thank you, Delaney. Thank you. Delaney Williams, again, plays Commissioner Kevin Davis in We Own This City, which debuts tonight on HBO. Had a conversation yesterday with um, some friends of mine. It's This is a complicated topic, because... Admittedly, I go on, I do uh, radio hits all over the country, you know, something related to the Ravens, the Orioles, friends of mine from other places will call me and say, Hey, would you come on and look at you? Talking mean, about something I've been doing for years. I it's not, you know. In the same way that we're gonna call these people and so they call me, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna bring Rocky Boyman on when something going on in Cincinnati. Well, when Rocky Boyman wants somebody in Baltimore, we've known each other for a long time he'll call me. So oftentimes like the producer will call me and be like, Hey, so Baltimore, the wire, huh? Like, I get that constantly, and most of us do when we, when we are somewhere else, and somebody asks, hey, where are you from? And you say, well, I'm from Baltimore. Oh, The Wire, right? Like, it's just what they associate with Baltimore. And that connotation, somebody would say, is hurtful, right? Like, they'd say it's been hurtful to this city to be known as the city from The Wire. So t- to potentially now be known as the city where there were corrupt cops that were stealing money, and stealing drugs to—I mean, it was. If you don't, I'm not telling. These aren't spoilers. These things we we know what happened. This was a news story. Then, it, of course, became Justin Fenton's book. Not a great connotation either. But yet, what I oftentimes say is that we are typically quite proud of The Wire. Because it was a brilliant television show. Because it's one of the greatest television shows of all time. And it was filmed here. And it involved Baltimore artists. Every city's got problems. Brilliant artists here were able to tell some of the stories of our problems. And of course, The Wire, as Delaney Williams pointed out, a fictionalized version of those problems. A lot of truth that it touched into just fictionalized characters. We Own this City, the a, a docuseries that's a truthful telling. of. It's very true to the book. It is extraordinarily true to Justin Fenton's book. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with feeling pride in Baltimore artists telling... We, we can't change what happened with the GTTF. We can't make it go away. We can't rewrite history and fix that. It's unfortunate, but it it happened. Making a really incredible television series about it with a story that's well told by very gifted artists that proves that you can film high-level productions in our city and that actors from our city and set designers from our city and people from within our own home are capable of this level of production is a good thing. So there's conflict. What does something like this do? How does it impact the image of a city? But I absolutely point out that the other side of it is there's going to be a really good HBO show that was filmed in Baltimore involving a lot of Baltimore artists. Not all, obviously. Delaney Williams, of course, is from DC. John Burnthaw, most of the actors, That's Josh Charles is among the Baltimore actors. Not every city gets to say that. I I don't know of a of a show right now, just because I brought up Cincinnati. I don't know of a show right now that's that's this good, that's airing on a network this popular out of that's based around Cincinnati and with Cincinnati artists and with Cincinnati storytellers. Justin Fenton, who wrote the book, is a Baltimore storyteller. He's not only one of our own. He continues to report on crime in Baltimore, the Baltimore banner. We're we're lucky to have him. He's very good at what he does. It's conflicting, but to me it's not all negative. I think it's a very good thing that we're capable of telling these stories. And when somebody brings up, hey, Baltimore, the wire, huh? My response tends to be like, yeah, look, this is a city that's got a lot of problems, and The Wire brought a lot of them to light, and we're still trying to solve them, and it's infuriating that we can't solve them. Of course, you know, there's never going to be a utopian society. We're always going to—cities will always have problems. It's infuriating. But it was a really well-told story. And if if somebody's going to associate something with my city, I'd prefer it to be a great television show than— Piece of crap, like trying to think of what the worst television show was that was ever made because we they just get canceled, so we don't even remember them. Like I, 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 you know, I'd rather we be associated with the wire than uh, the mo- the motion picture jilly with Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. I'd rather it not be that when people think of Baltimore, they're like, "Hey, that was where that that asshole Ben Affleck Jennifer Lopez movie was made." Failure to launch. Was that what?
0: When at the beginning of the movie, when um Matthew McConaughey drives down the street, that's the Baltimore skyline do they
1: film I don't think they filmed a lot of it in Baltimore I, don't I know how. there might have been some scenes in Baltimore. I don't think failure to launch was entirely in baltimore i don't baltimore. know how much
0: of it was in baltimore but in a, I, I think it was based in baltimore and the same thing with wedding crashers dc baltimore there
1: were there were some scenes that, again there were some scenes that were but most of these are filmed other places most of them are filmed wherever they can get a, a tax cut don't, and that's where they film them don't ruin this for stop me. it's like people that believe that like uh the, the office see, was actually filmed in scranton in, or you go see like the the house from full house in san francisco it's something that every time anybody goes to san francisco they go see the house and they're like that's where it was filmed like no it was not that is the exterior of the house they show you in the open of the show, mm-hmm. but here are the amount of scenes that were filmed in that house. Zero. <laughs> they filmed it on a, a stage in, LA. <laughs> in Los Angeles. That's where they filmed shows. Even, I, and you know who's got the greatest hustle ever, because I, the Christmas story thing, because they've taken the house that they filmed the Christmas story, and they made it this museum in really? Cleveland. Uh, they have basically bought the entire street in Cleveland and they've turned it into like you can stay in the house you can it's a museum during the day then at night you can rent it out you can stay in it you can like act out all the scenes and and it is a it when i whenever i'm there it is always it doesn't matter if it's the middle of summer there there is they are making so much money off of this thing well all of the interior shots were done on a soundstage Mm -hmm. the only stuff from the house was the exterior stuff that's it. So like the outside with the lamp and all, like that was shot there. Everything else was shot on a sound stage in California. What about, or maybe uh, in Canada actually. What about Home Alone? Was that the actual house? I, I the again, the exterior, I don't I I don't know about any of the I, I just never done. We know that that the exterior of the house was in Chicago. Um I don't know about any of the interior stuff. I've just mm-hmm. never done done any of the work on that because you can't go you can't go visit the Home Alone house. They actually still sold it and yeah, somebody owns it. Like a million dollar it. house. But seeing as, as successful as these other things are, the people might want to think about maybe buying this house and trying to turn it into a museum. My God, I want to say they did that with um, the Silence of the Lambs house. Mm-hmm. That somebody bought it in order to turn it into a, a some Baltimore sort of museum. N- again, kinda. kinda, 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 like that's the difference about say the wire. The wire is. It's here All in Baltimore. Yes, like it's here. We own the city. Is here. Um, this is not a production where they shot a couple of shots and made it look like they were in Baltimore. Like they were in Baltimore. That's that's what to me makes mm. it. It the conflict is lessened because of that. All right. Uh, when we come back in, Jeremy Khan is going to join us. Today's show is also brought to you by the print issue of Pressbox, which is now available. Adley Rutschman's on the cover before he makes his debut with the Ironbirds this week. Great cover story from uh, Luke Jackson diving into where his passion and his leadership came from. Uh, A lot of conversation with Adley, with his family. I'd encourage you to go read that right now. Pick it up free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox or read it all pressboxonline.com. Jeremy Kahn, next, Glenn Clark Radio. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sundae with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports.
0: Baseball is back. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. You can find us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon, talking all things Orioles and Major League Baseball. Like the debuts of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez. And how the rotation and bullpen are rounding into form. Watch us live at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. That's the bat live with the latest in baseball coverage every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon.
1: The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcasts. It's Glenn
4: Clark Radio.
1: All right, back in here on GCR as we continue on a Monday edition of the program. Again, my column is up at PressBoxOnline.com, covering the whole thing with Adam Jones from Reid and I's show yesterday, and just the fact that the Orioles need to get it fixed, plain and simple. Don't care about anything else, just need to get it fixed. That's all. Every Monday here on the show, we chant, with Jeremy Kahn from one oh five seven The Fan, the Big Bad Morning Show. You see his picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. dot com. What's going on, pal? How are you? What's up, man? How are you? I'm all right, buddy. It's good to chat with you. Hey, are you are you gonna watch like do you I I don't even know where you were. Like are are you a, a fan of the wire? Did you care about it at all? Are you one of those like oh. I found out yesterday Rita's never watched it at all? Really? Yeah the hell is that
4: i have more street cred than rita
1: right Damn. right yeah. really weird
4: moment expected that to happen today but uh yeah i love the wire um you know outside of the shoddy acting by some of the yeah you know, the bit detectives that are on the oh, show like
1: the guy know. ed norris he was terrible yeah, why terrible. would they why would you cast somebody and what the hell would he know about being a cop either
4: yeah yeah it's just it, it was weird but no no i love the wire and um yeah when we talked about uh, you getting a chance to watch uh, as soon as i get home today i'm watching uh, we own the city. So and then ironically, I don't know how much, uh, you know, I talked to you about this the, the guy that John Berenthal is playing Wayne Je- uh, Jenkins. I grew up with him.
1: Are you so, serious?
4: Yeah, I played basketball with him as a kid and then holy um, crap We, we, we travel we were like in the same packs because he went to Eastern Tech and uh, always, I always liked the guy always did um, Even when I ran into him. He was doing some MMA and he was fighting at shogun fights. I ran into him a couple times as he was doing MMA and boxing on the side um, and again, that's my only interaction with I'm not telling people hey, I love the
1: guy right know? right I'm just
4: saying like it, it's like when I would tell people about certain people I work with saying oh, I don't have a bad word to say anything about him But most people don't like them. and um, But with Wayne yeah, I mean he's got a, he's a big family. I think he's got like four kids. Uh, this um, is
1: it's so fascinating. Yeah. You say I was talking to Justin about it yesterday Justin Fenton and Justin's like you know the even Wayne who is the He's the one guy that both the book and the show, you come off as, there's no complication. He's just evil, right? Like, this was just Mm -hmm. a bad, bad person. There are others within the story that you're like, you know, I could, you can almost see how it could happen, right? But even he, and Justin brought this up, he was like, look, you say that, but even, you'll talk to people about Wayne Jenkins, and they'll say, great family man you know, obviously was an outstanding, you know, as far as arrests were concerned, officer. And it's fascinating to hear you say the same things. Like, th- this man was, you know, like, truly living. He was manipulative. He was living almost two lie. Was... Yeah,
4: and, and that was the funny thing, is because um, I was reading one of the quotes from Barenthal today um, about how, like, he spoke to them before doing the role and said, yeah, like, he thought he was just very manipulative. I mean, he used the perfect word. Like, my only interactions with him growing up were playing basketball together, and we knew each other, you know, we'd see each other all the time. Every time we saw each other, say hello. Um, and, and I would have said the same thing about him being a dad. I know he loved his kids. He was always out at their sporting events. Because I think that's somewhere where my kids are older than his, but that's where we would cross. Because, like, if my kids were playing football at a certain age group, his would have been playing a younger age group. And I don't even remember if it was football. That So many things. With my, my, my kids played basketball, lacrosse, right, right. You know, baseball, basketball, soccer. I They mean, played everything. Um, so I, am trying to remember where we exactly crossed paths with our kids, but you know, like we, we definitely knew each other would say hi all the time. Jeez. and It is weird when you see, it's like when the Ray Rice stuff went down,
0: sure. um, sure. you know, like I
4: loved Ray loved, and I still do, but, uh, but you know, when you see it, it kind of you catch you off guard. It's like, that's not the person I know. You well, know? And, and so,
1: obviously, we're not trying to say that Ray Rice is Wayne Jenkins. Let's make that very no, 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 clear. No, 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 so, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to yeah. – I always no, want to talk s- about right. this. I know what you're saying. how
4: people will misconstrue what yep. you're saying. Yep. I'm saying the only interactions I ever had with him, like, I've always liked him until, you know, obviously you hear the story of what happened.
1: Like, Jesus Christ. That is wild, man. That is crazy. How yeah. do you handle, like – you, of course, everybody associates you with Baltimore, so you talk to people all over the country – And I'm sure you get this the same way I do, which is people say to you, oh, Baltimore, the wire, huh? Like, that's their only association with the city. And it it comes off as a negative connotation. I was just talking about this a second ago. I'm like, I get it, and like every city's got its problems, but in this weird way, it's always been a sense of pride for me that in our city, there were brilliant storytellers within the city that were able to create this unbelievable piece of art out of the city's warts. I don't Feel the negative connotation towards what people think about when they associate Baltimore with The Wire. I'm not going to feel that way when they associate Baltimore with We Own This City. I, I, I love the fact that artists from within this city were able to create incredible art based on the warts of the city.
4: I don't think I could have said it better than than what you said. Now, is is we own the city? Is this a one and done, or are they? Yeah, are they, it's
1: it's just a six part docu series. It's going to air for the next six weeks. Over, I mean, like I, I don't know. Maybe Justin writes another book at some point, and <laughs> they decide to to do something with that. But this is just covering Justin's book. That's it. It's,
2: yeah,
4: and and so the interesting thing too with um, with what you talked about with the wire, like I was talking to Ed about it a little bit because my son is almost finished watching it. And, okay. You know, spoiler alert, if anybody hasn't seen it, but. You know, I, I won't mention some of the things, but he talked about um, the different deaths that happened along the way of, like, surprise. Like, it, had, it probably had, if you were a fan, I'd say five or six easy WTF moments. Like, yep. I can't believe that just happened. Yep. And the one thing Ed brought up that I guess it didn't sit with me the same way is that through five seasons, nothing changes. Like, it's still fighting drugs, mm-hmm. still the same old thing. It's somebody else picking it up, trying to do the, you know, like – it, if you go back from season one all the way to season five, the same damn
1: thing. By the way, when you see how the final episode of We Own This City plays out, the final scene of We Own This City, it will hit you. Like you'll be like, Jesus Christ! And I, you know, I'm not gonna tell you anything more because I want people to watch it. And you, but like you're gonna have a moment where you're just like, What in the f is this? And it's wow. gonna, you know it's gonna tell a story to a lot of the country but i still i I still i appreciate the fact that there's great art that's being produced that involves so many people in our city um you know it's not all people from baltimore that make these but it's a lot of them and you know there's not a lot of cities today as i just said that have great hbo shows that are airing that involve so many of their city's artists so that that's meaningful to me it means something uh pretty cool what was your reaction to the adam jones stuff
4: well, yeah, I mean, you guys kind of making headlines right off the bat, man. Um,
1: I, I Boy, um, we, we definitely set the bar way too high, Jeremy. I I, yeah. I felt that. I said that to Rita afterwards. I'm like, people are going to think this is what we're doing on the show every week, and next week we're just going to end up talking about, like, you know, the, the boobs or something. I don't know. You know, like... <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> yeah, so, I, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. What are you doing no. at 3 o'clock next, son? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want me to do. I know, that's true. Boobs involved. Yeah. Um, but, no,
4: the, the the thing with Adam Jones, So I, I said this earlier on, on my show, that... I mean, he's my favorite player, um, and there, there's a couple things that kind of intertwine with it. Even growing up as a kid, I kind of felt like my fandom grow when I got into radio, and you know, waiting for some sort of success. And maybe, maybe it has more to do with my adulthood. The first bit of Oriole success I've seen, he was a big part of it, um, and I just I, I love the player he was. I love how. It looked like he was having fun out there. And, you know, the, I'll always remember the, the pies in the face and, yep. you know, Mark Trumbo getting his feelings hurt, and not wanting it anymore. <laughs> um, and, you know, all the things that go along with him, the stuff he's done for Mo, that'll always stand out to me as well. But he's been my favorite guy. And it's kind of, it just sucks to hear that, you know, your favorite team didn't reach out to a guy that ultimately I think is important in Orioles history. So. Plus, he helped get rid of that douchebag Eric Bedard. So that's you know what I, I,
1: you've never you have you're never letting that go. By the way, Jeremy. If there's one thing to know about Jeremy, it's that when we talk in 40 years, he is still yeah. still going to have something to say about Eric Bedard.
2: Well,
4: and the the funny thing is, like I threw my back out Wednesday lifting my my grandfather out of a wheelchair, which is it. Maybe that makes me more elderly than him. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I would. I can't. E- I can barely move. And if you told me I could fight Eric Bedard for charity tomorrow, I'd fight it.
1: So <laughs> there's there's some personal stories involved. I just want to punch him once right in his face. Um, <laughs> I, as I said, Jamie, like I am. I'm trying to be careful about this. I I was told in the aftermath that this might not be people. You know, there's a lot of I, and what what I felt immediately was this was still a grudge for him not accepting a trade. And I definitely think that Adam feels that way. he, mm-hmm. he you know, he'll say all the right things. Hey, I don't know what they're thinking, but I got the sense that he feels the same way. I was told by a couple of people, it's not that this was a mistake, this is not an aggression. This was not, we're, we're not trying to, to embarrass Adam Jones or anything along those lines. And that doesn't make it okay. You still have to fix it. But to me, it's as simple as that. Fix it. Fix it. And this goes away. This is not a, like, the, 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 the overdramatic reaction to it, the same old Orioles, the this is how nothing's ever changed, that can go away within a week. A week from now, you announce a big ceremony involving Adam Jones and Adam Jones mm-hmm. having a role in your organization, and you say, "Hey, we made a mistake, and we apologize, and we had to get things cleared up with Adam, and 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 we good. We want him to be a part of this thing moving forward. We want him to always feel like he has a home here. Then nobody's gonna nobody's gonna care. This will be a nothing within a week, as long as you got it. Get it fixed, but you gotta get it fixed.
4: Oh, they have to, and and like it's imperative too, because like when you think about those Oriole teams. Like, we all, like, Nick Marcakis was a, a a fan favorite here, but we all know he wasn't a talker. Nope. Adam was the guy that... Yeah, I was telling a story about uh, Koji Ohara when he was here, and one of his translators, and he was wearing, like, a, a fluffy jacket or a fluffy coat, and Adam was like, man, you got on that triple fat goose? You're looking sexy. <laughs> what do I get one of those? Like, just messing with the guys. and To me, that's kind of always who he was, like, yep. uh, posting pictures of his food, having fun, you know, talking a little bit of trash back and forth, and um, I just, you know, like I don't know when I when I think of the Orioles, he's he's one of the guys I think of that that could help you know to me help build this franchise back to where it should have been, and it just sucks we had to go right back into a rebuild, but you know that's where we're at.
1: A hundred percent, a hundred percent accurate. All right, Jamie Khan with us here on GCR. All right, um, if you if you were a betting, oh, if I say if you were a betting man, Jesus Christ, you are, you are you are the you are the betting man. Um, so if you were placing a bet on any player that will be the Ravens pick with the 14th spot in the draft on Thursday night, that bet, like the money, I know it's not a good bet to make on an individual player at 14, but let's just say you were. It would be on who?
4: So I, there, there's two things I'll say here. First off, I think um, I would love to see Stingley Jr. there. Uh, okay. I don't know that he'll be there. I do think they ultimately take a cornerback, and if they don't, I'll go along with everybody's talking about is Jordan Davis because if they don't covet him and they want him here and he slides in the draft to him, um, I heard Greg Cassell's comments about it, saying that you know he 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 doesn't look he doesn't on tape look like a guy that moves players and out of a D lineman that's typically what you expect uh, that somebody would covet him and maybe they would trade back, but ultimately um, I think it's either a cornerback or they move back and the only reason I say that is I think there's still tremendous value on the guys that could be there when they pick. Um, but I, I also think you could see somebody wanting to trade up and get one of the quarterbacks if they slide. Um, you could see somebody want like that like, just covets another play at another position and they just find value in
1: moving back and
4: maybe that's when they end up taking an offensive lineman or, or someone else for that matter.
1: We have heard some reporting this morning that um and look, this is always the way when we get to this week, my God, there's a billion reports. So it's just It's almost overwhelming, but some of the reporting is there are more teams trying to move back than there are teams trying to move up right now, and that's part of the problem. Of course, that all changes when you get to draft night and you see a couple of picks that are made that you don't expect, and all of a sudden you say, huh, that guy's Mm -hmm. still there at nine? Well, that's weird. Um, Maybe we are interested And that, you know... In this some bizarro scenario where Sauce Gardner is sitting there at nine, I'm let's let's go, let's make that move. You so know? let me
4: let me pose that to you. So let's say one of those guys that you really like or you think is really good, like Sauce said, he's the best. Yep. Not cornerback, but yep. best player. Best player, player, yeah. Um, and you know, I love the idea of having Stingley knowing that he went up against Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, and those guys speak highly of him. Um I like the idea
1: that are you at all worried people. about the fact that we didn't we just haven't seen it like are you at all worried about that, that it's been no. it's been a couple years since we've we've seen that guy
4: no because I, I i mean we heard it all before about some of these other guys like you know people said the same thing about chase for sitting out a year like i don't know if he's as good as some of these other guys I got a chance to see and um you know even even other players in the draft that slip for whatever reason but uh i'm I'm not worried about it because i i i just i think he's unbelievably talented, and that's the guy I'd like to see come here but um, you know, and, and we start looking at some of the other players that could be there and things that they could do. I think there's a tremendous amount of options uh, for them. But I was going to say, if one of those guys slides to around ten, uh, whether it's a pass rusher, cornerback, what have you, would you be? Yes. If you were in yes. charge, would you be willing yes. to move up?
1: Yes, yeah. one thousand percent. And I, you know, I, 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 I would too. I, I, there's two things here. I am having those nightmares that 2016 draft where they had the five fourth round picks and everybody raved that. that Todd McShay said it was the greatest fourth round in the history of the NFL draft, and they got—I mean—they got Tavon Young, and that's it from yeah. that fourth round. It was abysmal how that fourth round played. I mean, Alex Lewis was helpful for a second, um, but it was all. Everybody just constantly wants to tell me about how oh, this is perfect for the Ravens. Look at all these fourth round picks they have, and it's not to say they haven't ever found good players in the fourth round, but what are why are we pretending like this is a thing? Why are we pretending like you're better off having five fourth round picks than you are having two second round picks? What yeah. what is that bit like? What? I, and I know the answer. It's we want to prove how smart we are and how many things we know. But like, it's so easily disproven by like every ounce of fact that has ever existed. We know you can find more players in later rounds. We also know you're more likely to find good players in the early rounds. It's not hard. Why are we so obsessed with the idea of five fourth-round picks? That does nothing for me.
4: Yeah, it, it'll never, it'll never be the same for me. I, I understand it a little bit more when you have this unbelievably deep draft. But that being said, I'd still would rather have the two twos and the four, you know, or the, yes. the five fours or four fours, whatever it may be. I'd rather have. Uh, players were, and that's what I'm saying, Like, if the Ravens covet someone of any year in specific, when you have your quarterback still on his rookie deal, this is the year I go make a move to find, to get my guy if I think he can be an impact player.
1: Do you have any feel whatsoever? What is what is it that you think we've learned through the first, now, week, week and a half of the NBA playoffs?
4: Uh, well, the Celtics are for real. I yeah. think that's the one thing we know. And just like last year, it seems like this, this is... Uh, kind of becoming a situation with guys getting hurt. There's so many really, really good players that got hurt. Um, And on top of that, there's there's a bunch of situations where you look at matchups, and matchups will be – they're going to be key, going to be ultimately important of who you get. And I just think the Western Conference is so freaking wide open. Like, everybody's going to look at the Warriors being up 3-1, and they'll close out that series against the Nuggets. I'm not worried about that. But But at the same extent, you know – I just think I think they're good, not great. There seemed like there was a little frustration last night on Clay's face.
1: There definitely um, seemed to be some frustration on Clay's face.
4: <laughs> with Jordan Poole and not passing the ball the one time, especially when he was the hottest guy on the
1: floor. Yeah.
4: Um, you know, so there, there there there's options there. But if, if Luka comes back and can be healthy, and although I, I like the Utah Jazz tonight, uh, and he's 100%, I, I just think the Mavericks are a problem, man, because you look at the teams, Memphis – I don't think they're scaring anybody, and I still think Memphis is a year away. Uh, they're a good team. I wouldn't shock to see them get there. Uh, your poor sons, they, every year they, are having all these they, opportunities, and Devin Booker goes down. They,
1: and they'd stink without Devin Booker. that That's the alarming part about it is that I i knew that they were in trouble, but I didn't know how bad they were without – they really are either Chris Paul saves them in the fourth quarter. They just don't have – there's no, there's no Jalen Brunson there. There's yeah. nobody that they can count on. It, like, they're trying Landry Shamet to be that guy. My God. Like, there is so, just no other consistent scoring option. There's a bunch of guys that can shoot if they get the space that's created by Devin Booker.
4: Yeah, and and to, to your point, and I want people to understand what I'm saying here, there's nobody on that roster that can replace Devin Booker or even be a shadow of what he does. Now, when Chris Paul goes down... Devin Booker can't be the point guard that Chris Paul is, but he can still create and make players around him better. Whereas Chris Paul is ultimately not going to be a guy that's going to all of a sudden drop you 35 points on a given night to replace Devin Booker when he's out. But, I mean, Paul had so much. When you look at the double-digit assist and zero turnovers from the other night, you're like, damn, he's so amazing. But uh, the Suns are the best team out west, there's no question about it. But the loss of Booker, I could see them getting upset. Um, And it wouldn't even shock me if the Pelicans. I'd be surprised, not shocked, that the Pelicans knocked them off because yeah. they've been a much better team since McCollum got there. But I, I, truth be told, I just think the Celtics are for real. And the fact that they can switch one through five and be confident in their defensive matchups and that they have multiple go-to guys, uh, I just think that's the team to beat.
1: At Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 on Twitter is how you follow him. What's coming up on the Big Bad Morning Show this week?
4: So Rob's back tomorrow. we got the whole crew together. Uh, we're obviously going to be preparing for the draft, talking a ton about that. Uh, the Orioles took two out of three over the weekend. Um, we, we've been mentioning the stuff with Adam Jones there as well and uh, getting ready for another Yankee series coming up uh, this time in New York. So
1: should be a fun week. Absolutely. Uh, appreciate you, pal. Picks every day. Pressboxonline.com. We'll talk to you next Monday. All right. It's... Thanks, man. Thanks, buddy. Jeremy Kahn, 1057, the fan, checking in with us as he does every Monday here on GCR. As we mentioned, uh, Adley Rutschman is going to make his debut with the Aberdeen Ironbirds this week. And this. This evening, Stan the Fan Charles and Ross Grimsley are going to catch up with Ironbirds GM Jack Graham to chat about the big week that they have on tap in Aberdeen. So You're going to want to check that out facebook.com/pressboxsports. If you miss it live, pressboxonline.com/video or youtubecom Online. Stan the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley catching up with Ironbirds GM Jack Graham ahead of what is a huge Huge week for them with Adley Rutschman, of course, DL Hall, and more. That's coming up tonight. Facebook.com/slash/pressboxsports. We continue here on a Monday edition of the program this Friday night. It's Project Runway at Pier Six, and I am landed on pretty heavy because it means a lot to me. And in fact, this year for the first time, I will be emceeing project runway down at pier six i'm very excited about it it's an organization show your soft side that my wife and i care a great deal about and i know how much our next guest cares about them as well he is one of my favorite people he's all he's ever done is win championships and prove what a badass he is coming back from crazy injuries in his career goalie for your baltimore blast and a friend to all he is our buddy william van Zellen. and he's back with us now here on gcr what's going on pal how you doing hey how are you guys thanks for having me it's always great to chat with you what's going on with you man like i thought you i was i was really worried about you after i saw the video this year dude like it, it looked bad where where are you physically can you just give me an update on everything
5: uh yeah uh, we lost on playoffs down in mexico yeah um unfortunately you know but we lost to a great team i think we did everything we could we put our hearts on the field we really fought and you know that's what you can ask for in you know games you can win and lose it's part of life i think we learned a lot this season uh, i think we grow this season a lot so um that's where we are unfortunately we did not you know went to championship series where we used to hear so people think we we had a bad season you know because we're not in the final <laughs> right. and everybody's used to that and so are we uh we're not happy about it but you know winners need to learn how to lose so i think we're we're there now a little sore from there uh physically pretty beat up uh, unfortunately yeah. this season was it was hard season for me um had a lot of injuries. I started the season playing really well individually, you know, not talking about the team, but just as myself um and then, as the season started to progress, I had a injury in my back. I actually had a small fracture in my back that I was playing through the season uh which is a little crazy, but you know i was I was playing, and then I had that concussion that you' you mentioned before uh, that was a yeah, that was pretty. Uh, rough
1: yeah that was scary <laughs> well, I, brother <laughs> yeah
5: it was i was actually i lost conscious for about five minutes on the Jesus. field um but you know uh, you when you when you decide to play professional level you sign a waiver saying that you're okay if that happens so i i have to accept the fact that you know i'm submissive to injuries and uh and then i had uh later on the season then I had an injury with my wrist, and it was actually another one that's pretty ah. rough. But, you know, playoffs, I was feeling good, and I had individually a great playoff series, but it doesn't really matter because it's a sport that we play with a team. So of course. It's not individuals, so it doesn't matter what I do. as a. I would trade my performance to a win, and if that was the case, you know, I played a bad game, but we move on. I would take that, but it didn't work that way.
1: Does going through any of this, does it make you think at all about, like, how long you want to do this, William? Does it make you, do you ever, you know, say to yourself, like, I don't know, man, you know, I, we know you've done a lot of broadcasting. Do you ever say, we know you do a lot of coaching. Do you ever think about that as you go through injuries like this?
5: Yeah, every day. You know, when something bad happened, you're like, no, that's it. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. And then, uh, two days later, you miss your best friends. You miss your teammates yeah. and you get, you know, or you're going to the game. When you come back, you're like, Oh my God, I love this so much. I'm playing forever. You know? So you, <laughs> it's funny. And you know, when you think about like Tom Brady, well, you don't need the money you play because you love the game. Then you retire, and you're like, okay, what do I do now? Uh, I really miss this game. I'm going back.
1: It happened. <laughs> all the time
5: so i think i'm on that boat you know uh i think as far as my body allows me to continue to play i'll i'll be in a high level and then this is like we're i'm a goalie so every time i make a mistake everybody you know blames me forever yep. and that's normal i'm, I'm okay with that <laughs> you know I'm, i've done this my whole life so every time we lose a game it's my fault and i can carry that blame Uh, I'm okay with that, but I'm, I'm a worst judge. So I'm go home. I really review my plays and I was okay, you suck here. You have to do better here. Oh, that was pretty good. So if, if I'm playing a high level that I'm happy with, I think I'll continue. But you know, as right now, I'm a, I have one year contract, so I'll be free agent soon. So it gives me time to think. Um, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. But when you lose it really hurts your feelings, you know.
1: I understand that, man. It sucks. There's nothing there's no way of getting around that. It sucks to lose. Well, you know, selfishly, you know, we're hoping that we're going to get more William Vanzella here in Baltimore. I mean that's you know how we feel about you my friend. You have you have carried the banner for this organization and have been out there and and it means a whole heck of a lot. You know what I was happy about is 4 years ago you had to call in the morning after uh, the US failed to qualify for the World Cup. And you and I had to have like a real heart-to-heart that morning. I am quite grateful we didn't have to have that conversation this year. I'm imagining you don't think everything's been fixed, though, just because the U.S. qualified for the World Cup.
5: Yeah, but it's not fixed, but it's a lot better. I think they changed a lot on this four years, uh, starting with the amount of international players now. You know, American guys playing overseas. Uh, that gives them the the experience that they need when they get together as a team to play against, you know, Spain or Brazil or Argentina or you name it, Germany, or, you know. So that is a big – have a big-time player like you're having right now, it's 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 good. I think it's going in a great direction, uh, you know, so it's promising. And I think the group stage is also very doable, so I think U.S. can move move on, and uh, I hope they have a great World Cup because it's good for, you know, for the sport here, and we have so many people following soccer. It's growing a lot. So I really hope that it can continue to grow, and I'm hoping for a great uh, World Cup for U.S.
1: With the the World Cup being in the fall, there's been a lot made about the goalies and that these guys should be looking for loans to be playing somewhere this summer in, in heat, right? Like, and not be playing exhibitions in you know, Miami, that nobody cares about, but they playing real games somewhere in order to keep these guys sharp, whether it's going to be Zach Steffen, whether it's going to be Matt Turner. What do you make of that, that that maybe these guys shouldn't necessarily be playing for the their, you know, the Premier League clubs in the summer, but instead should be loaned back to maybe MLS in order to keep them sharp going towards the fall and the World Cup?
5: It's, it's, uh... It's a hard one because it will be the first time ever, as far as I I can tell, you know, different time of the year yep. uh, for the World Cup, so it changes the scenario, and you know, of, it's it's a tricky one because once you go to MLS, it, it drops the level of players. You know drastically, and that's not good, but then they will be playing the whole time, which it gives you a lot, so it's a kind of fifty fifty mm-hmm. if it was me, I would not change I would stay in Premier League okay. and not not change anything personally, but such a it's a hard decision to right. be honest i i would I would stay put and continue to train with my training and have my routine on my club and and not change anything maybe change the way the train sessions are going to be or, or how does the national team get together? When do they get together? And uh, who can they play in before the World Cup and stuff? Uh, that's what I would, like, lean towards.
1: That's more. an interesting thought. It's an interesting... I, and, dude, I, there is no correct answer, obviously, right? This is As you point out, this is unprecedented, right? Like, what we're doing, we have no idea. How do you best prepare for a World Cup that's being played at, at, at Thanksgiving? Like, it's just a crazy thought that we've never dealt yeah, with
5: before, man. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to think about. The day after Thanksgiving, I think... It's
1: oh, it's going to be a hell day. of a day, yeah. yeah. No doubt, yeah, it's, it's going to be a I hell of I hope
5: everybody day. watching, yeah, so that it'll
1: be cool all right william Vanzella, i know how much show your soft side and project runway have meant to you over the years can you give everybody your backstory about how you originally got involved and in being an animal lover and why it is that you continue to be so supportive and so involved with this group each and every year
5: yeah, and that's a quick one and a good one because you know I like you said I love animals and uh, uh, Sandra and they soft side approached me through the blast for a photo shoot and then you know from there we started to, to, to move towards what can what else can I do so I went to a project runway for the first time and I was supposed to walk this little dog four weeks old and she came the foster uh, mom came to me gave me this dog. And I walk her on the stage, and uh, when I give her back to the foster mom, I felt really bad. So long story short, next day I was there, and then she became my dog and my best friend. So uh, yeah, it's uh, I I had the feeling I was like I can't give her back. I don't want to do it. So that's what happens when you're when, when you you know it's, it was, that's what happens when you're like in love with animals. So. Um, I was kind of happy. I had to miss the following one, and I told them about it because then I don't have to take another dog at home. Because <laughs> every time I go, I, I made that mistake, which is the best mistake I ever made. Of my course. dog is my best friend, man. Um, so it's a it's a great event. It's a great people around, barks and Softside together. Putting the it's unbelievable day together to have fun to bring kids. You know to go cuddle in the corner with the animals to see the animals available for adoption and, and for us our goal is to get every single animal adopt yeah and, and and we know we're going to accomplish that because they're being very well kept you know by barks and soft side does such a good job to to put this event together and, and we know we're going to have every single dog and cat there you know get adopted and that makes us feel really good i'm looking forward to a different uh location this year yeah. by the water it's gorgeous pier six is unbelievable so i'm very excited for friday night
1: brother i am so worried about my wife so we our first rescue we, <laughs> we our first rescue passed away last year she was 17 i mean it was we had this unbelievable dog we had her for the entirety of our relationship she meant the world to us but we'd already adopted another like three years ago after the last project one way where we fell in love with one but uh they had already been adopted so we adopted someone else and i just know because my wife my kids are coming on friday i know i'm already prepared for her getting the doughy eyes and looking at me and saying how do we not adopt this dog we have to and i know exactly what i'm gonna say william i'm gonna say yeah you're right you're right. <laughs> I already
5: there know we it. go. I love that. Man. I already know Yay. it, brother. <laughs> That's what happens when you're a sucker for animals, man. You can't like it's it's a great thing. They they give you so much joy. So I And nothing I can do makes my day better oh. unless I come home. And then I see her, and she's in cloud nine because I came home. Yeah. And that changed, you know. It changes your whole day. It makes it everything better. Um, so, like I said, it is a mistake, but the best mistake you can no possibly question. make. No I love. I'm, I'm sad to say that, but so happy to say that I'm looking forward to make another mistake. You know, <laughs> a, I love that. <laughs> I love that, man.
1: I love it so much. All right, what can we plug for you? So obviously, let's plug. Again, Softside um, and Project Runway is Friday night. There are still some tickets available, projectrunway.org and also auction items available to help raise money for Show Your Soft Side and their incredible mission to take care of the animals in our community. So, again, go to projectrunway.org. Nick Boyle from the Baltimore Ravens has offered to come walk your dog. You can bid on having Nick Boyle from the Ravens come walk your dog, which is nuts. Like That's such a nuts thing to do. Um, So, please, support Project Runway. Support Show Your Soft Side. It means the world to us. What about for you, my friend? What can we plug for you?
5: Yeah, no, just following that auction, I uh, have a lot of items there. I donate my goalie gloves. We have a Baltimore Excellent. Blast basket there that's signed by me, every single item. I also donated uh, a basket off uh, my company, Born to Fly, Goalkeeper Keeper Academy, uh, jerseys, uh, long sleeves, T-shirts, hats, and stuff like that. Um, I also donate with uh, Our America Steakhouse a $100 gift card for a lunch with me um, awesome. a day. That's awesome yeah you know i have done that before for soft side and it was really cool i love to meet people to talk about you know to hear their perspective about you know most of the times our fans are coming so i can hear their side of the story from games and stuff so it's good timing um what else i put a lot of stuff there so please check that and not only my auctions but like there's so many good stuff i was on the website yesterday and i was like oh my god I'm going to go broke here, yep. man, because there's so many good stuff that's, right there. You and I share so, that
1: fear, my friend. <laughs> you and I yeah, share the fear. Please,
5: please, guys, check it out. It's uh, it's unbelievable. There are a lot of good people donating good stuff. That's a quality auction. I can tell you that. So that's that's a top quality thing.
1: William Vanzella, I always appreciate you, my friend. Can't wait to see you Friday night, dude. Looking forward to this. Thank you, as always, taking the time for us this morning.
5: Absolutely. Thanks for promoting Project Runaway. Thanks for all the support. And, you know, for everybody that's listening and watching, please, you guys support this. This is a great cause. They do a lot for these animals. And uh, Parks and Softside Together are two unbelievable organizations that I'm just proud to say that I can help them and and support them.
1: So you should do this. And we're grateful for that. Appreciate you, brother. We'll see you Friday. All right. Yeah, you guys have a great day, man. William Van Zelle, a goalie for your Baltimore Blasts and uh, someone who has really carried the banner of what the Blast have meant to this community and has entrenched himself here. And Not only is he a hell of a soccer player, but he is a, a damn good dude and appreciate him taking the time for us. All right, we'll come back in. We'll get a tidbit. We'll get tubular to wrap it up. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from, and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite Mm. Start your day
4: off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches, and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast.
1: Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help. Running in when others run away. Working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore Police. But the department needs more good people. People like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports
0: betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline.
1: Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number no. two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, glorydaysgrill.com to find out more great food, good sports. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR Live. It's at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Tidbit of the day brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. That's where the NFL chicks, Sarita Hubbard and I will be on Thursday night. Looking forward to having you come hang out with us for the best live betting night of the year. We got some great giveaways courtesy of Great Eights Memorabilia. And we want to pay your tab. Go right now to pressboxonline.com slash contests. You have less than 24 hours to sign up. You have until tomorrow at noon to sign up. Register, pressboxonline.com slash contest for the VIP treatment. Reserve table for four. $300 tab picked up for you, your friends. Great opportunity to make some new friends. Hang out. Watch the NFL Draft with us Thursday night in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Tidbits.
0: All right. In yesterday's loss to the Angels, the Orioles struck out 12 more times, bringing their league-leading total to 161. It was the eighth time this season that the team has struck out at least 10 times. Though five of those six occurrences came in the team's first six games. I'm sorry, five of those occurrences came in the team's first six games. Despite leading the league in team strikeouts, you have to go down 21 players before you find the first Oriole in terms of individual strikeouts. Uh,
1: which we're, is we're number 22.
0: <laughs> we're tied for
1: 21. So we're number tied 21.
0: Which is where you will find Ryan Mountcastle with 19 okay. or 190K pace. In Major League history, seven players have struck out at least 210 times in a season, and one player has done it twice. Who are they? Chris Davis? He has not done it twice, but he is number three on the list, 219 in 2016.
1: Uh, uh, Joey Gallo.
0: Joey Gallo is number five on the list, 213 last year
1: struck out 210 times twice. Mark Reynolds.
0: Mark Reynolds 223 times for the all-time mark My in 2009 God. and 211 times in 2010.
1: <laughs> mark Reynolds is a decent baseball player. Just really kind of changed the world of how we view. <laughs> he was a trailblazer. Um the year that he struck out
0: 223 times, he hit like 192.
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: he was like Rob Deer on steroids.
1: Who was the guy? Um, was, it, was it Chris Carter? Was that
0: Chris Carter? Number six on the list, two hundred and twelve times in twenty thirteen.
1: It's how many more are there? There's probably I get one. Uh, four.
0: This guy was mentioned in a tidbit two weeks ago. Ah, Paul.
1: There's a lot of guys that are mentioned in tidbits.
0: <laughs> He's got an awesome nickname, or at least a funny nickname.
1: Awesome nickname. I then you said that when we talked about it the last time too, yep. right? Uh, was it? Uh, it was Adam Dunn, and it's Adam the, the Dun- donkey or whatever, big donkey. the big donkey. Yeah, Two hundred twenty-two times in twenty twelve. All right, and
0: one of these guys I think you could get, and one of these guys I'm sure you won't get.
1: One of these guys you think I could get, one of these guys and they I'm sure both still play today. They both still play today. Um. Uh. Aaron Judge.
0: No. Close.
1: John Carlos Stanton. John
0: Carlos Stanton, two hundred eleven times in twenty eighteen, and this guy. I'm. I'm going to give you a small hint. Okay. He was a former Red Sox top prospect, but he no longer plays for them. Moncada. Yep. Wow. Man, I did not
1: know that he struck out that much, honestly. Yeah, because he's
0: known for having a really good bat. Struck yeah. out 217 times in 2018, although I think that was his rookie year, so that's...
1: Has he struck out? That, how much has he struck out since then? Uh, I did I, not think of Yomankata as a strikeout guy.
0: Neither did I. Um, I can look um, that up for you real quick. Yomankata...
1: Yon Mankata struck out in 2020, was 2020 wasn't a full season. He struck out 154 times in 19, 157 times last year. So he has definitely improved upon those numbers. Mm-hmm. And he raises batting average. In fact, the year after he struck out 217, ta- 217 times, he hit 315. Yeah,
0: he's a, he's a good hitter. He, was he went just- from,
1: but he, was, he hit 235, and then he hit 315. Right. Now last year he only hit 263, but you know, got on base at a 37- he got on base at a 375 clip. He's think, doing okay.
0: Yeah, I mean 202018 was yeah. I mean, he'd only played in 62 career games yes. before that, yes. so you can kind of excuse that. Although in
1: fairness, he struck out 270 times in 149 games. He didn't even play all 162, and he struck out 217 times. That's true. All right, very good. Uh, Tubular brought to you by the Baltimore Police who are still looking for folks. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police. Make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Here's what's coming up tonight. Totally Tubular-wise, not a lot of sports balls as the Orioles are off this evening. There are three NBA playoff games tonight. TNT, Celtics, Nets, Game 4 at 7. No Ben Simmons. So sad. So, so very sad. Celtics can close it out. Jazz Mavericks, Game 5 at 9.30. That's been a tight series. Luca came back over the weekend. Didn't make a difference. NBA TV, Raptors, Sixers, Game 5 at 8 as the Sixers get a second chance to close it out, this time at home. MLB Network, Red Sox, Blue Jays at 7, Guardians, Angels at 10, ESPN Plus and Hulu for Flyers, Blackhawks at 8, the USA Network, Crystal Palace, Leeds United at 3, WWE Raw tonight at 8. That's it for sports. Obviously, the big headline tonight is.
0: Yeah, the two programs airing at the same time for some reason. The price is right at night at 8 o'clock on CBS. Ah, American that's Idol. that's the big one, yeah. On that's the big one. No, if. Record one and watch the other. I don't care which one you do, but at 9 o'clock on AMC, it's Better Call Saul, and at 9 o'clock on HBO, it is We Own the City. There's nothing else that compares, so there's no point in talking about anything
1: else. BlaineClarkRadio.com to find anything else for Totally Tubular. Thanks today too. speaking of uh, we own the city, thanks to Delaney Williams. Thanks to Sam Okawanu, former Maryland defensive end, getting ready for the NFL draft. Thanks to Jeremy Kahn and to William Van Zella. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the archives. Tab at radio.com A uh, big program tomorrow as Cal Ripken, uh, I believe it's Carl, Carl Ripken Jr. No, Cal Ripken is going to join us. We'll talk to him about the 30th anniversary of Camden Yards. Uh, Tory Smith is scheduled to join us as well He is also part of Project Runway this week So we will talk to him about that And football-y things Patrick Stevens will join us as he does Every Tuesday, all that coming up Tomorrow morning And uh, Simply the Bets as well tomorrow Uh, That'll be at 11.40 As we do it every Tuesday at 11.40 Thanks to everybody at PressBox All of our great sponsors and partners Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms The Baltimore Police, Great Eights Memorabilia FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. The Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer. Buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter, at PaulValleyThe3rd. Thanks to Ryan, at Rec Specs Ryan. Follow us at Glenn Clark Radio as well. Have a great Monday night. Enjoy We Own This City. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.